All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Starcade Media Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? And the newly found, refreshed from vacation, Mr. Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo, yo, yo. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 187 in full swing, full motion. We are so happy to be here with you guys and for you to be here with us, whether you are live streaming, podcasting, or YouTubing. Thank you so much for taking time to be with us. And this time is we're going to break down a lot of football. We have a jam-packed show today, guys. A lot to get to in the world of sports, in particular in the NFL. We are now really in the swing of things. We're now outside of the first month of the regular season. We're really starting to see these teams take shape, take form, and, and and now figure out who's real, who's not. And we still have so much to get to, man. We have so much more season to get to. This is my favorite time of the year because, as you can see, I'm rocking a, a sweater, walk, rocking a hoodie here. We got our guy Big Charlie's out there in Philadelphia. Shout out to our family out there in South Philly. Trevor's obviously rocking some flannel. Eddie's got his hoodie on, but I think Eddie wears hoodies all th- throughout the year, so I don't even think it matters. You could literally take a picture of Eddie in a hoodie like is it July or is it December I can't tell but I'm going for my best brawny man today that's what I'm going for <laughs> <Cold as fuck. laughs> well we're happy to be here with you guys like I said because like I said we have so much to get to we finally have the Eddie hour to get back to man I'm sure he's got some provoking questions we're going to go down a slate as we've been doing all season long of week five NFL picks some notable ones that we want to get to and see what you guys are thinking what you guys predicting what we think is going to happen this week and we obviously post those on our social medias before every Sunday slate goes down we're going to obviously get to the Chiefs and Raiders because I know this is Raider week. This matters to a lot of fans out there. Not necessarily a rivalry in my eyes anymore, but it's still a fan rivalry out there. We got a lot to talk about at that one. And you guys know before the show ends each and every week, we always give out a series of L's in the world of sports. I'm sure there's some juicy ones out there that we're going to hand out. Eddie always likes to bring out ones from the other side of the pond. I'm sure he has something like that. He was in Spain this week, so maybe he saw some things in the world of sports out there a little closer that he wants to throw out an L to. I don't know. There's mystery to this, and I can't wait to get to it. But I want to start here first and foremost because... Uh, I said in episode 186 last week with Trev uh, that if the game is officiated evenly in Tampa Bay, the Chiefs are going to win that game by double digits. Um, and despite a horrifically bad, I mean a bad flag on Juan Thornhill's hit on Mike Evans in the back of the end zone, that game was was pretty fairly uh, officiated. I will give that crew a lot of credit. I, I love to slam them when I get an opportunity to, but this game was was fairly officiated in my eyes with the with the Chiefs having four total penalties and the Buccaneers having five total. It was a very evenly game. They didn't get in the way. They didn't officiate the game out of the out of rhythm for either offense. The, the Bucks offense did that to themselves for the most part, but th- but they they stayed out of the way and they just kept the game at bay, and it was really good to see that letting the, letting the players decide it, and um and the Chiefs again won by double digits as I had predicted, and although the score showed that the Chiefs won forty one to thirty one, it looks like it may have been a shootout. Uh, 
under no circumstances was this game ever close because the Chiefs dominated from literally the kickoff. And as I said on the Chief Concern postgame show with Jason Dunn and Marcus Dash, um, it was it was fitting to me that after a terrible performance last week in Indy that cost the Chiefs their first and only loss in the season, uh, the, the special teams came out and made an immediate impact by forcing a turnover on the opening kickoff, giving the their, their offense a very short field that resulted in a touchdown two plays later that went to Travis Kelsey, who ironically dropped a game-sealing touchdown in Indy last week as well. The Chiefs got a lot right in this in this one uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they made a statement in more ways than one. And I actually want to start right there. I want to break this down as to what statements the Chiefs made because I think it all starts, obviously, with the Chiefs' offensive line. Yep. They 100%, 100% heard Shaq Barrett's comments and put that in their gas tank. 100%. And the reason why I know that is not just because of how well they played in this game, but how different they played from the previous three weeks going into that one. I know they played well against the Arizona Cardinals. They did. They, they played well. But let's be honest. The Cardinals had zero pass rush, whereas the Buccaneers not only had the best defense in the league, only giving up nine points per game going into this week four matchup with the Chiefs, but have the best front seven in football. And I don't even know if it's close. There's good front sevens out there. This is the best front seven. They have the best stable of linebackers in the league. They're in the Niners for the, sure. Yeah, thank you. I'll give, I'll give credit to the Niners. You know I'm a big guy on the yeah, Niners. Nick but Bosa, the, the Bucks yeah. were coming into this game just at, looking like the 2,000 Ravens. Yeah. They were just dominating opponents. And the offensive line bullied them. Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, even with a hobbled leg and a peck injury, was out there just bowling. Joe Tooney was impenetrable. Running all over him. My guy Orlando Brown Jr. had a great game. I mean, when Devin, uh, Andrew Wiley was playing his ass off. Like, this entire offensive line. It was personal. You can't tell me they did not look at that. those those comments, see those comments, hear those comments. And Well, he played well he, compared to his previous games. He was, he was, he was good in most he was of the game. He had some bad spots, but I mean, like he said, that's a great defensive line. And by the way, just, just fitting, <laughs> because I'm mentioning the offensive line here, just, just out the shoot here, Patrick Mahomes versus the Bucks in his career with a healthy offensive line is now 2-0. and He completes 70% of his passes, throw 356 yards per game with six touchdowns, one interception, and a 113 quarterback rating. And I don't even want to really give, I don't even want to talk a lot of Patrick Mahomes in this game, even though he had a legendary play, just added to the highlight reel of his career. I don't even really want to talk about Patrick Mahomes in this one. I want to talk about the running game as well. How about Clyde Edwards-Lair, who was awesome again, scoring his fifth touchdown in just four games, yep. which is as many touchdowns as he had in his 13 games in his rookie year in 2020, and only one fewer touchdown he had in 10 games last season. Averaging 81 yards from scrimmage this season, over a touchdown per game this season, and over five yards per rush this season. Clyde Lair, I, I know people still will bag on him. And I, I get that some of the criticism, his critiques are fair, because sometimes he'll there's a hole right there in the middle of the field, and Patrick's pointing at it, and he'll run right into a, a cloud of dust. I get that. But the man has been productive this season. He's on pace, man, to have double-digit touchdowns, well over 1,000 yards from scrimmage again could for the second time this season. Could have had a season. much bigger night if he caught that ball. Much bigger night. If he had, had, yeah, that would have been another touchdown. touchdown. Yeah. He would have walked all in. Green. It's yeah. all green. And I think and I think this is thanks to Isaiah Pacheco and, and, what, that's, he, and what he brought to this team. Yes, and I'm so. glad you brought up Isaiah Pacheco because this man played like a man possessed. I heard Dan Orlovsky and a few other people comparing him to the prime Marion Barber, where he just ran like he was pissed he off at, at you. Like he was chasing somebody that stole his groceries. Yeah. That's the way... That's that's the way Isaiah Pacheco played in this game. And even uh, Lewis Riddick said on Twitter, he was running the ball like he it was his last chance to run a football in yeah. the NFL. Like he was trying to prove a point. Trying to get to that last I, lo I, lo I love how he would come to a to a stop within like two two yard gain, 
But then he'll just keep that fucking pile, yeah. like, walking with him for another five, six yards. He's also averaging five yards per rush on the season with 140 rush yards and only 28 rushes. Yeah. That's a great game. This dude's having that for a season. And so even in his limited abilities, limited opportunities, Isaiah Pacheco is making the absolute most of it. And I got He does. What I said on the Chief, uh, Chief Concern postgame show is that he looks like a guy. That he should he played like Leonard Fournette should have been playing a five six year veteran. He, it was not too big. It was in the it was a, it was in the biggest greatest stage of them all. Sunday night football in Tampa Bay against Tom Brady mm. and Isaiah Pacheco looked like a veteran out there playing his ass off and looking like the moment is not too ball big security. for him. Just absolutely poised. Yep. Got to give him a lot of credit for that one. The Chiefs rushed for 189 yards on 37 rushes, which is the most yards and rush attempts they've had since the 2020 week uh, six matchup against the Bills in Buffalo when they dominated the Bills. Defensive line is yeah. absolutely atrocious and an absolutely dominating performance that managed to take some shine once again, like I said, against uh, off Patrick Mahomes, who, uh, what he had in the air. Because outside of that terrible decision that Patrick had at the end of the game that ended in a pick, Patrick was damn near fullest in this game and was getting whatever he wanted whenever he wanted to. And something else I wanted to point out, too, although his stats weren't insane, he only had two catches for 31 yards, Sky Moore was finally utilized as a wide receiver in this game. That's what I've been wanting to see. I know that rookie wide receivers don't get acclimated into the Andy Reid offense quickly. It doesn't very happen very often. Yeah. But he was getting open. He was making his presence known. And he also caught two third down balls. He's good. That's man. another thing that, yeah, he, getting those clutch catches is what we want to see out of guys like that. Getting clutch catches, He's, you know what I mean? <laughs> and that's what he was doing out there. Sky Moore uh, played his position. I, I know that they believe he can be a good punt returner and all that stuff. And that might actually be true. But I want to see him as a second-round pick getting opportunities opportunities in the offense and you saw that because McCole Hardman I know that there's criticisms out there he's not put up big numbers at all the season I think he's on pace for like 330 yards but McCole Hardman was wide open on a touchdown pass that Patrick Holmes just missed him on so we can't critique McCole too far but seeing McCole getting or seeing Sky Moore splitting some reps with McCole is is everything I want to see because that also is going to ignite McCole Hardman to play harder as well if he wants to stay on the field in a prove it year as well um and seeing Patrick, I want to bring up Patrick Mahomes. I said I'm not going to talk about him a lot, but it's actually more about the guy he was throwing to. Seeing Patrick Mahomes connecting with MVS downfield on multiple occasions in this game was not only beautiful to see because we've been waiting for it, but it opened up everything in the offense. You saw how much easier things in the 10 to 15 yard radius got for Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Juju Smith-Schuster once they connected with MVS. And that frozen rope ball to MVS about 44 yards in the air, it, you could just tell the Bucks were like, shit. Now we can't send the blitzes. Now, now we have to respect the downfield game. And so you saw everything just really open up once MBS. I'm not saying it because you know, Trevor, I've said that I'm not a big believer in MBS. Mm. But if he can just have these little pockets of success in this offense, it's just going to make everything just that much easier for this offense to do whatever they want. And, and, and I think this was the perfect game for them to do this and make this statement because it's a defense that everyone has to fear and respect. This is the, arguably the scariest defense in football. And you go on their home and do this on in prime time in front of 15 million people? Mm. It's just nothing short of incredible, man. And that's actually, because of the MVS thing, I, I do want to briefly address this, and I'm going to get your guys' thoughts and takeaways from this game as a whole, because I think that the defense deserves so much credit in this game. We can definitely talk about them in a second. But it's something that I'm going to continue to address just because it's still so short in time, and it's only the first season since it's, since it's taken place. But... I have to address this myth that the offense is missing Tyreek Hill because of this game in particular. 
Because now, the, the I, I post these every time after the Chiefs games, that Patrick Mahomes' numbers without Tyreek Hill in his career now, he's moved to 7-2. and two. He completes 65% of his passes, which was 316 yards per game, 19 passing touchdowns, only three interceptions with a 105 quarterback rating. I actually, on Tuesday, had a friendly debate, a friendly debate, with our guy RG3 on ESPN uh, this week on Twitter. And on Tuesday, uh, RG3 had tweeted out, quote, The Chiefs miss the explosiveness of Tyreek Hill, but are harder to defend right now. They make you cover every blade of grass. One touchdown drive against the Bucks saw seven different skill players touch the ball. O-line has played them, has, has them dedicated to the run. This is very sustainable, end quote. So I read that tweet, and I agreed every, with everything that, uh, that, uh, that RG3 had said in that, except the opening line. Because as I quote tweeted uh, RG about this, I said, you're, you make it sound like they really don't miss Tyreek Hill. Because you're explaining to us that the offense is a far more complete unit without Tyreek Hill. He, he broke it down himself. I, I didn't have to say it. He broke it all down after he made that initial statement about them missing his explosiveness. And RG came back to me with this. He goes, quote, they do miss Tyreek. He's saying they miss, they do miss Tyreek. They miss the five-yard slant that goes for 60 to the house, end quote. And this is where I want to begin on this. From what perspective do the Chiefs or have the Chiefs missed Tyreek Hill so far this season offensively? The Chiefs' offense is currently ranked second in the league and have multiple 40-point games, both on the road, I might add, in the first month of the season. I think we get caught up in style points. That's what I think we're dealing with here. So far, the Chiefs haven't missed Tyreek, and the win column proves that alone. We also overlooked the fact that the roster, the Chiefs roster as a collective, got better via the Tyreek trade. I know we've talked about that multiple times on this show. The defense has given up a ton of garbage time points so far, and are still allowing only, and still, even with that, consider are allowing 10 points per game fewer than they were through four games last season. So I understand that it may not look as easy as the Chiefs are scoring points now as opposed to when they had Tyreek, but as you alluded to, as, Ty as Robert Griffin alluded to, they're making defenses work harder this way, and it is much more sustainable. And, of course, I, I sent that response to RG3. His rebuttal was, quote, The Chiefs were more explosive with Tyreek, period. The data proves it. All your pro points prove my point that they are harder to defend now. So they're not as explosive, but they're tougher to defend. Let's. Let, I want to look at a couple key stats here real quick. And, and I want to explain why these numbers support my stances, why the Chiefs offense hasn't missed Tyreek Hill at all. Points scored in games Patrick Mahomes has started in his career without Tyreek Hill. 27, 28, 33, 34, 13, 44, 27, 17, 41. That's an average of 29 points per game. And those last four are, the, are this season, and in those games, the Chiefs average three points more per game with 32 points per game. But this is the most important stat I want to bring up, as I did in this friendly debate with Robert Griffin III. Offensive plays of 20-plus yards through the first four games of the season. In 2021, the Chiefs had 14. In 2022, the Chiefs have 19. So what am I missing here? What are the what is the Chiefs offense missing? You you can't say the scoring when they're scoring 30 plus points per game without Tyreek and you can't say explosive plays when the Chiefs have more explosive plays through the first part of this season without Tyreek than they did with Tyreek last season. 
Does this, does this Chiefs offense have a receiver that is as skilled and as deadly with the football as Tyreek? Of course not. But the premise of this friendly debate wasn't comparing one individual player to another. It was comparing the offense with, with and without one player. And the numbers clearly tell me, and anyone not named Robert Griffin, the third, that the offense is staying in stride with or without Cheetah in the mix. So you guys watch this game. Trevor, you watch it right next to me. I don't know about you guys, but it, it didn't feel like that game would have been any different if Tyreek Hill would have been on the field or not. Sure, maybe he scores a touchdown differently. Maybe he does get a little bubble screen and he takes it to the house. Mm -hmm. But the results are the results. And to me, I don't care about style points. I don't care about how you're scoring the touchdown. But again, if we're going to look at style points, the Chiefs are making more exclusive plays based on the numbers without him mm -hmm. so so help me understand this and, and if you want to briefly just attack that notion if you agree with robert you agree with me just tell me what you guys think and then give me your overall takeaways of this game well i mean we're 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 better in a sense in a different we're just different like i think that i think the style points point that you made is is what it is i think people are just equating the production of tyreek to the dynamic uh, the impact of Tyreek, which is, I agree with the impact dynamic of Tyreek, and that's not here no more. But that doesn't mean we can't be better without him, though. We have been better and more efficient without him. Um, it, it is a style points thing, though. Like it, we're not scoring the way we would win Tyreek. Like in that Colts game, I would say we probably missed Tyreek. We could have really used a guy like Tyreek in that game just to have a game-breaking play to kind of flip the momentum because the momentum was not on our side the entire time. He was a great player to have that momentum-flipping kind of play offensively where he, he could hit a, you know, a screen pass or a quick slant and take it to the house because he's so damn near undefensible. So a scenario like that, sure, but in most of our games and the points we've been averaging and the way our offense has been producing, producing um, yeah, I mean – we're arguably better this season without Tyreek, and that's just the that's just praise to Coach Reed and his bay, his ability to change the scheme and, and work it to uh, the other players' strengths and the new additions uh, on this roster. And and Patrick Mahomes, you know, uh, not having that deep shot guy or that guy to check it down to that can go, you know, grab ten after the catch, fifteen twenty after the catch, um, having to make Pat, you know, kind of adapt and and, and learn to utilize um, the other players and the other and the other angles and 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 guys to look for uh and go through his reads uh and progressions but yeah i think rg3 and anybody makes that take at this point is wrong like obviously we're going to miss tyreek that's no we do miss tyreek we miss having that but in reality in the grand scheme of things objectively viewing this offense right now we don't production wise we sit we simply don't the numbers are are, are not going to support that take on the screen, the eye-popping plays, yes, we don't have that really right now, unless MVS can really get it together with, with Pat, unless Sky Moore becomes something. But I mean, we, but, I mean we've seen our fourth receiver on the roster, Watson, go out there and have a gigantic play that was a play Tyreek would typically have, and he went out there and made it. You know what I mean? So it's not like we haven't had big plays and big moments and big games already, like the games against the Chargers and stuff. We've had big plays. Uh, Kelsey's still doing what he does, you know, scoring two touchdowns last week. Like, this is what this guy does. So... Um, I, this offense is still chugging along. This offense is ravaging more points uh, per game right now without Tyreek. But uh, we do miss that factor, that excitement factor of Tyreek at any moment could could do that. But in reality, we're not really missing him with, between the, with the, when it comes to the X's and O's of the game. Really not. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I understand where the explosive uh, part comes in. And it's those style points that you were talking about that you don't care about. And I think a lot of people... 
say that we miss Tyreek Hill because we don't have those flashy uh, points scored anymore. That was kind of our brand. Yeah, that was that was yeah. who we are. You know, that's that that's who we were uh, with Tyreek Hill. And I think people are not saying that this this offense per se misses Tyreek Hill. I think what they're trying to say is that this offense misses those flashy points. And, and to be honest, I really don't care how we score the points. Right. As long as we're scoring points or we're winning games, that's all that matters to me. Yes, I get it. Tyreek Hill could have could have could have gotten a, a a fifty yard touchdown already by the by this time this season. And at the end of the day, I honestly don't care. Yeah. Uh, I don't care about flashy points. I don't care about none of that. Just give me the give me good give me points and give me a win. That's all I care about. You know what I think it is though. A lot of this these talking heads on TV. Not I like, and I actually like what RG three has been doing. He's he's been doing actually a really good job in what he's doing now. Um, he's one of the few well thought out guys I think right now. Um, but a lot of these people that have, that 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 fed that narrative in this offseason that Patrick's going to struggle without Tyreek. I think they're trying to stick to that and try to like find a way to to keep that narrative alive. Right. Uh, to to you know to have some kind of explanation to how they're still right. Uh, that's what this feels like, even though they know that they're wrong. And what we're seeing right now is proving that that's wrong because Patrick's numbers are already b- blooming as the season is progressing. He's had one down week really for the most part, um, but the offense is still moving along just fine without Tyreek. And they don't really know what to say now because their narrative is, is really dwindling as the season's progressing. And it's going to continue this and week. I, I do want to say something to the point you both made. Uh, first of all, Eddie, I'm, I'm glad you agree with me on that. I'm sure Trevor agrees with me too about the, the style points go out the window. But even, yeah. even to that point, again, when it comes to explosive plays, which does play into the style point aspect, the Chiefs are still better this season so far than they were last we season are, with Tyreek. Yeah, we're scoring and, in different ways. And to your point, Trevor, about the Colts game, I know mm. that's the game that people say, well, the Chiefs missed Tyreek, but here's the thing. With we could have used I don't know, a guy like that. I don't know if I agree with that. In fact, I'm going to say I don't because here's the fact. If you go and watch that game again, which I unfortunately had to do just to make sure I didn't miss anything, MVS early in that game when the Chiefs were already down 7 nothing was missed. He was yeah. wide open downfield. Patrick just off. straight up missed. And that's a t- that's a 60 But does he miss Tyreek on that? Because Tyreek has that, that chemistry with him. I, you, you, you know that's, what I mean? That's fair. And that's he's obviously fair. a little faster. That's fair, but I think that's something that obviously is just, it, it's all about time. It's all about time being yeah. played together. So I'm I don't saying. know if it's like, missing Tyreek or just missing that gelling effect. And then you saw that the next week with the against the Bucks mm-hmm. where they gelled and then mm-hmm. MVS and Patrick are connecting and all of a sudden, oh shit, the explosive plays are all there all along. Mm-hmm. It's just about finding that rhythm. And so, because MVS and Tyreek are way different guys from body build to style. Yeah. I know they both can Speed be, though. yeah, they both have, they're both obviously fast well, guys. And, but but Tyreek can go and catch the five-yard pass and take it to the house. Take MVS it. really is And Tyreek wouldn't require gelling. That's what I'm saying. Like yes. you, you're saying MVS required the, the gel and can right. know each other and their body language and their timing and everything. Yeah. Tyreek wouldn't have needed that, so he probably wouldn't have gotten them ball. That's fair. That's fair. And yeah. I think we're not even having this discussion. And again, I don't want to make this a whole Tyreek segment, yeah, yeah. but I don't think we're having this discussion if Travis Kelsey touched, catches the touch and I think the Colts. I don't think we're having this discussion of if Sky Moore doesn't muff that punt. We're not having that discussion because the Chiefs win that game. Right. The kicker, yeah. yeah if if the they fake. have a healthy Harrison Butker or even just a, a Matt Wright, yeah. then all of a sudden you're talking about having you know a four a four zero record right now. So that's the difference. It isn't that Tyree Kill was missed mm-hmm. because as you saw in full display against the defense, it was giving up less than ten points per game this season. They don't miss him. And they're going to be just fine. This is what I've been trying to tell people all along. Now, I do want to move to the defensive side of things because I do think they, I said on the Chief Concern podcast as well, I think they own 50% of the credit for this victory. Because although, again, I know that the Bucks scored 31 points and Tom Brady had really good stats. Yeah. Let's contextualize them for a second. The Chiefs had multiple 21-point leads in this game. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... There was a point in that game, Tom Brady threw the ball 
29 straight times. They ran the ball six total times. Yeah, they pretty much benched Leonard Fournette until the end. They couldn't get anything yeah. going in the ground game. The Chiefs were dominant. That's without Mike Dana. That's without Willie Gay. That's without Trent McDuffie. That's right. without three starters, and they dominated the, field, the line of scrimmage in both sides of the ball. That is nothing short of incredible. And Chris Jones was in the backfield all night long. Legereus Sneed is having an all-pro season just added to the equation with that, that sack fumble, God, the strip sack fumble. Two in the year, man. He got Matt Ryan on that just one, too. absolutely blew up Tom Brady yeah. at the backfield. I mean, this defense, man, I'm telling you guys, they are different. They are different. I know the numbers right now and show without them. two starters the last two I weeks. Think I think they're, what, 24th in scoring defense right now, which is not good. Mm. But here's the thing, guys. 43% of the points they've allowed this season were in garbage time. Yep. Yep. 43%. I mean, I could go down the list again, but guys, again, the Chiefs had multiple 20-plus point leads in this game against the Buccaneers. So anything the Bucs did at the end of the game mattered none because this game was never close. That's why I'm not going to sit here and knock the defense for giving up 31 points because they were playing shell cover defense and prevent defense for half the game. Yeah. Spags was Spags went out there and immediately put it to Tom Brady when it mattered. Even when though, it mattered, even the though defense Mike was Evans, Mike Evans was bossing on a lot of our guys. Well, but Mike Evans is going to be a Hall of Fame yeah, receiver. He and he's the peak of his power. We so. struggle against some big body receivers, though. <laughs> Absolutely. Him and, and Mike, Mike Williams, guys like that. We, yeah. yeah. Unless you have They're, a Jalen Ramsey type of cornerback, you're going to struggle against big receivers. That's yeah. just how it's going to go. They typically get theirs. And it, especially when you don't have your first round. As we alluded to, first round pick and Trent McDuffie, who was glue uh, in that yeah. week one matchup. Yeah, we're gonna, him and Willie Gay. Suppose they're going to have him back for the Bills game, which is going to be a lovely acquisition. And Mike Daniel will be back hopefully this week against the Raiders. But yeah, this defense is only going to get better. And I think this is the best defense they've had since 2016. Yeah. Straight up. But that defense, I think they finished third in the league in 2016. This is that type of defense. I'm not saying they're going to finish in the top five statistically, but postseason time, I think this defense is going to be dangerous as hell. And, and you've seen every time Patrick Mahomes has had a top 10 defense, Defense, he's done what? Gone to the Super Bowl. That's what's going to happen. And, and I said it uh, before the season started. This is this defense. This is uh, Spagnuolo's defense. This is his guy. Yeah, yeah. Kudos to Spags. This is, this is his hand-picked this guys. You know, four years in with the Chiefs. Four years drafted with the Chiefs, and then obviously signed those free agents and whatnot. So this is his defense. This is what he built, and we're starting to see like how he likes his defenses. And, and we're starting to see, like, you know, like, this defense starting to blossom, blossom into what Spagnuolo wants. Mm. And, and we're starting to see Chris Jones putting the pressure in the quarterback, which is what we've known Chris Jones to do. Last year we missed a lot of that with Chris Jones. And this year he's 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 putting in work. Frank Clark, he might not be the greatest, you know, uh, linebacker or edge or whatever you want to call it. This season he's been balling. Arguably Compa his best season. Yeah, compared to what we've season. seen the past few years, yeah. this year he's balling. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I don't know if you saw the uh, uh, the mic'd up thing where he calls like this is a pass play where the fumble happened. Yeah, with Tom Brady. Talking about their formation. Yeah, the formation. Yeah, like, yeah. hey, if they stand up or whatever, it's a pass. Or he called that play. He pretty much told. Yeah. He did. You know, he goes, yeah. it's a pass play. 28's out. 28's out. Yeah, on, on the franchise. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was a great episode. Yeah, that was that was a good episode. and and. That's what you need. He's becoming that vocal leader that this defense needs, you know? Yeah. Uh, I thought Dunlap was going to come in and do that, but it seems like Frank Clark has stepped up his his leadership skills and mm -hmm. has taken over that role. Uh, obviously, Chris Jones has struggled with that leadership kind of role. But with Frank Clark being that vocal leader that this defense needs, we're starting to see like pay off, you know? Mm -hmm. And so. I, I want to throw something out there real quick before I get Trevor's thoughts because I need to give one guy 
serious respect. And I, I want to give Brett Veach a lot of respect because I'm not going to rank the, the 2022 draft picks yet because they still have a season to prove themselves. They haven't, they've only played a handful of games. But from 2021 down in the Brett Veach era, guys, I, I don't think Brett Veach, I think the best pick he's ever made is Nick Bolton. And, and that's including Creed Humphrey. As great as Creed Humphrey is, guys, I think Nick Bolton has the potential to be the best linebacker in football at one point. I'm not trying to be crazy here. And he's a local kid, which I love even it, more. It's insane how great he is. Yeah. And immediately, from day one, this guy on, on the spot grew up in front of our eyes, leading all rookies and tackles last season. And this season has been a top five linebacker in the league. What he did against the Colts, yeah. what he did against the Bucks last week, I mean, it goes so underappreciated because he's kind of a low-profile guy. That's what that he doesn't Willie have like, that big personality, that yeah. bravado. But this man is deadly. He's all work, man. It's amazing what I'm seeing from this kid. And he's an undersized linebacker. He's only like six foot. Most linebackers are like six two, six three and above. This dude is insanely efficient. And I really do believe, outside of Creed Humphrey, guys, he's the best draft pick that Brett Veach has ever had to this point. Now, obviously, Trent McDuffie's got time. Karloftis has got time. Some of these other guys, Legereus Need, he, oh, he deserves all the respect in the world. I think Legereus Need's been the, arguably the second most important player on the defense. This those year. are, the, without question, in my he's eyes, so those are the three best picks he's made to this point. And yeah. Nick Bolton put it on full display again, and Lord Jerry Sneed did it again, too. Those safety, those uh, these picks, corner blitzes man. are so good. And, and it's so great, too, is that none of these guys, Creed Humphrey, Nick Bolton or Legereus Need were first round picks. Creed and Nick Bolton were seconds, and Legereus was fourth. Yeah. Like to get that kind of value out of guys like that is just nothing short of amazing. I just wanted to throw that out there. No, yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I wasn't. I think this, in my mind, from my my personal opinion, I think this defense is overachieved. I, I was, I was, I was ready for a slow growing process. Remember, I said that before the season started. Like, expect growing pains, guys. This defense is going to let you down at times. There haven't been real letdown spots in this defense. Honestly, our offense has let us down more. Uh, uh, through this progression and Patrick having to learn a new way without Tyreek and you know spreading the ball around, which he's done well, but putting points on the board at certain in certain games has been a struggle at certain points. Um, that's all a growing process too with this new scheme and a lot of things uh, that we're doing. But this defense has been very consistent, even with missing certain pieces. Um, we've been we haven't had a lot of sacks, but we're consistently getting pressures and we're doing it without having to blitz too much. I, I know. I think they're right now top ten in sacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but, like I'm saying, but, but, sex, yeah. but I mean, but Spags isn't blitzing too much. But those safety, those yeah. safety, and those um, those corner blitzes are so effective and, disgu yeah. and just disguising them. He picks them really well, dude. He picks he, them really the way well. he, the way that the, the way that um, Spags disguises uh, Snead in those in those corner blitzes is, and he gets there like that. He yeah. is, he is. I think he's the best corner blitzer in the league. The one he had on Matt Ryan, it never near looked like he took his soul from Matt Ryan on that. <laughs> yeah. And then he put, and then he injured Brady on that one. Yeah. He's so quick at getting there, so good at finishing the tackle, not missing because we've seen some of those those undersized uh, corners try to get after these quarterbacks, and they'll like whiff or they won't get him down yep. entirely. He wraps he's him. on the he money. Him. He put Brady on his ass. He he's, that one he put on Matt Ryan was brutal. Yeah. Um, so the way those defense is playing, and once we get all of our pieces completely back and they're ready to go. That's what that's what I'm grateful for right now too in this Chiefs in this season so far is we're we're a little banged up. We have a couple guys out, you know, because of poor decisions being made in their personal lives, things like that. But we're we're looking around the league and we're seeing all these teams banged up and losing and losing guys for see the season. Major injuries on the defense and offensive side of things. And a lot of these, especially in our division, a lot yeah. of guys going down. It's, yeah. The Broncos and Chargers, you know, it's a yearly thing for them. Raiders. Well, yeah. Raiders too, for sure. But I mean, we, we didn't expect too much from them. You know, the Broncos and the, and the Chargers had higher expectations in my mind, yeah. and they're losing major key players. You know, on the offensive line, defensive side. Uh, um, but yeah, we're seeing those things happening, and we're 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 getting ready to get all of our guys back. And none of no, none of them were like truly serious. You know, uh, so just some sprains here and there, some suspensions, but. 
Lord willing, man, we're 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 staying healthy this season. That's the that's the key because we see people dropping like flies right now, and that's a scary thing. And we even sounds like with. Lucas Niang's gonna be making a comeback in the next few weeks as well. Oh man, having that depth, a guy that could probably come in and start. Oh, he's a better he's a better right tackle than Andrew Wiley. Wiley's, Wiley's been good. playing well. Wiley's good. Lucas Niang has that top tier type we'll, of yeah. talent. We'll, we'll see how he comes back though. He's after, stay healthy. Yeah, and I do want to say crucial I, injury though. Yeah, I do want to say about the offensive line, and which was the most impressive part of the night because they absolutely just took everything personal and they showed it and they backed it up against arguably the toughest challenge you can go into and into on a road game as well. Yeah. I, I, I think when Shaq Barrett said that, I think he was right so far this season though. Yeah. That's why I think it made them so mad at, Cause Cause they knew it. You know, you know, you, when you get like some criticism, you're like, ah, fuck, you know, you're wrong. That's not yeah, true. But you know, it's right. When you're, you're like, like, damn, actually, this is me. You start off, reviewing man. things that you've yeah. done. You're like, oh my, they're right. And that makes you even more upset. You know, you're even more upset because because it's right. I mean, because our offensive line has been struggling this year. It was still disrespectful. Of course, of it, it course. Was, it, was, it was disrespectful because they're clearly better than that. You don't say that, you don't say that publicly. You don't say that publicly. They have been struggling. They have yeah, been struggling. This, this season so far, we, we, what yeah. we've seen out of Orlando Brown this season yeah. – has been that Colts game was unacceptable. Yeah, because they weren't even barely blitzing us. They he were getting us. They were getting there with you're four. Right. You're right. Yeah, with, yeah. yeah. Or I don't know what's happening with Orlando Brown, but he, the first few weeks of the season been had struggling. been atrocious. Yeah, yeah. from especially Orlando a guy that's been betting on himself he, and wants yeah. to be the highest paid. He, yeah, no man. He was getting outrun so fast. Uh, even at the Buzz game, he was struggling. I, I I know you're praising the offensive line. He for had the a Buzz better game. game. He did have a better game. He had he he, his I don't best think he gave up a pressure. He had a, he had a decent game. I don't think he gave up a pressure. Yeah, he did. He gave up a sack. That was on him? Uh, but yeah. They, uh, he, uh, uh, I thought they said that was because Patrick Mahomes held the ball too long. No, because he literally outrun Orlando Brown because you saw speed Orlando rush. Brown kind of uh, got up and kind of He struggles up. against the speed rush. Yeah, he, so he got up trying to like step up to the to, to block him, but he just outran oh, him. Oh, okay. And yeah. grabbed, uh, that's when he grabbed him from the ankles, I think. Okay. But yeah, I, I just think there was a definitely a mirror meeting with a lot of these guys, you know, talking to themselves in the mirror and reflecting yeah. and, and understanding, you know what, I don't like what Shaq Barrett said, and I'm taking that personal, but at the same time, he has validity to what he well, just said. And something else you said that was a really good point that I, did, I hadn't thought about until this point, and I really just racked my brain while you were talking about it. It is It rings true about the defense. I don't think the, the, the Chiefs' defense has had a single bad drive this season. Yeah. I mean, they've given up points at times. Right. But if I really like rack my brain, they they only gave up was it seventeen points to the Chargers in three and a half quarters until there's about a minute left in the game. Yeah. Against the Colts, they really only gave up thirteen legitimate points in that game. And then against the Cardinals, the Cardinals were down thirty points going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, we just played safe. It, we just, we just saw what they did against the Bucks. They had multiple twenty-one point leads. Yeah. And then it was a backup that right. Uh, and we've yet to be at full strength for a, a, a significant period of time so right. far. And, and but I mean, it is frustrating to watch to know. I think I think everyone knew that the the Bucks we're not going to run the ball for an entire half and we still allowed them to march down the field a couple of those drives that was a little frustrating i still i know i understand we had a, a pretty good lead and we were letting letting them kind of you know play underneath and but there was some over the top plays and then when it got to the red zone i felt we should have tightened up a little bit more uh and, and mike evans was just getting behind us and just snagging the ball but there were some terrible penalties as well i mean that call on Juan thornhill was absolutely atrocious yeah, was i mean it's a football play man that's a bang bang football player and they and we've had some bad calls go our way um or not go our way i should say uh and the on the defensive side, especially, I mean, that Chris Jones one blew us the game. Uh, that that one in the end zone made it a little closer than it should have been. I think that should have been fourth and goal if we did, if, if or third and goal, I believe, at that time. But either way, I mean, the 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 opposition scoring totals 
uh, against us is a little skewed because there's garbage time right. because we've had significant leads. And it makes me feel good knowing that the Chiefs score 41 points in a game they should have scored two or three more touchdowns. Right. Noah Gray drops that that yeah. uh, that ball within like 11 yards Travis of the end Kelsey zone. Travis Kelsey drops the down. one the Colts. Uh, yeah, and then you're talking about the the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire drop. Yes, And yes dropped one. Like these guys, the, the Chiefs could have had 60 this, that, points. That ain't going to last. We should have dropped 50-plus on the Bucks. Exactly, <laughs> and I, I was kind of hoping they would have, uh, to be honest with you. But I think we wanted um, to. We just yeah, didn't. Just want to throw this out here before we get to the Eddie Hour. Um, the Chiefs are now 1-0 and after giving certain people uh, Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers vibes. Um, so I just wanted to put that <laughs> I wanted to there. revisit that so yeah, bad, man. Uh, they're 1-0 and now. And I, guys, I'm just going to let you know, boys and girls, I, I'm not nervous about it. So I just wanted to put that out there since, you know, everyone wanted to overreact after that Colts game. And, uh, yeah, just thought that would be fair to, to put yeah. that one out there. But here, you know what? We broke this game down. We're now going to move forward because for the first time in three weeks, we have the Eddie Hour with my guy Eddie Ortiz. I'm sure he's got some thought-provoking questions. We've had some, we've had some fun, eventful games outside of this Chiefs game, in particular in the AFC West. I'm sure we'll, we'll have a question or two on that. But nevertheless, I don't want to rein in on that. Eddie, this is all you. What's in the Eddie Hour this week, my man? Should Matt Ryan retire after this season? You know, he should, but here's the thing. He's owed $18 million after this. So it's going to really it's gonna really hinge upon what the Colts want to do because we know that Jim Irsay ain't about that bullshit. So he should saw, the Colts bench him? Yeah, the well, they got Nick Foles on the team. Yeah. About that. Like, yeah, we he might be able to give you a little more life because he, he's the same type of quarterback Matt Ryan is. He's about four years younger. Yeah. So who's to say? But he's Matt super, Ryan, Super Bowl champ. Matt Ryan is their guy until proven otherwise, unfortunately <laughs> for them. He was horrible against the Broncos. There's just no if, ands, or buts. I will give him some respect in this regard. His offensive line's been atrocious this season. I they say he could terrible. He could get hurt. Yes, they've been awful, awful. Yeah. And he's lost not one but two running backs to injuries this season. And Michael Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce have missed games this season. Yeah. So there's been a lot of chaos around Matt Ryan, who's you know going into his first season as a new quarterback for a team for the first time in his 15-year career. So I'll give him some respect. But yes, there's no question about it. There were throws against the Broncos. I'm like... What did he see there? And then there was, and it was times we had a clean pocket. It looked like he put everything into somebody's throws, and the balls was like, was like the pick, and like a yard, three yard yeah, shot. The balls was like, like, bro, the intercept was it the second interception he threw? He was in the pocket, he had yeah. a clean pocket, and he threw he right to the defender. He it, doesn't look. He was right. looking everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's a like, mixture of both. It's a mixture of him being bad and the team around him not being good or yeah. not healthy. So I think that as the season goes on, they'll get a little better. But this team is nowhere near what I thought they would be, and they haven't had Shaq Leonard three of their four. Four games they just i mean darius darius leonard or was it darius leonard uh yeah darius leonard missed yeah. the game as well uh it just it's bad man and i just it sucks to the colts because i thought they were gonna be much better than what they are i i still can't believe they got that dub but yeah i i think i think matt ryan is going to be their co their, their quarterback unless he is injured or unless the colts are willing to eat that 18 million dollars next year because he's owed every bit of that yeah, watching them celebrate like they won a massive playoff game after that game was over and overtime was hilarious. <laughs> and they're two and zero against the AFC West. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying, like once <laughs> once once Russ missed that last throw, Matt Ryan and, and Coach are all like, yeah, they're all freaking on the sideline. I'm like, bro, you guys played like shit. That was a terrible football game, dude. That was such a bad game. I wish I could take back some of that time I wasted watching that, but the Colts are bad. The Colts are really bad. I'm not. I still came out of that game not sure who was worse. I understand the Colts won, and we all picked them, so thank God they won. <laughs> Made us look better than that, because that was a game that was like, Jesus, man. Like, I don't – can we just call this – I just wanted it to be another draw for the Colts, because this game was so <laughs> bad. It almost was another draw. Um, but, yeah, um, 
God, I don't, I don't know who's. I still think the Broncos are the better team because I think their defense is that much better. Um, but they're dropping like flies as well. They two last lost two new starters. Uh, Randy Gregory is out for how much longer? He's on the they're IR right now. Weeks at least. They lost their offensive tackle. To Derek Bulls. Derek they lost. Bulls they lost uh, the cornerback. Um, Darby. Darby's out for the year. Oh my he God. He wasn't even all that good to begin with. Well, he was, I mean, he's, okay. he's, he's been a solid player for most of his career. But that defense has been elite so far this, this season. They've they've really been as far as like points allowed. Five, yeah, their defense is great. They have um, faced. Uh, Right. Not a murderer's real quarterback. And if we're being honest, a lackluster, lackluster offensive line and running game, and the Raiders absolutely demolished them. Yeah. yeah. Once they play a solid quarterback yards. with a solid offense, they give up over 30 points for the first time all season. And yeah. if it wasn't for Jimmy Garoppolo stepping out of the out of the back of the end zone and Davis Mills being Davis Mills, yeah. the Broncos are 0 4 right now. True. True. Yeah. <laughs> they very. Yeah. They're very well, and they're they're worthy of that too because yeah. you know they're. Uh, so it was such a horrible game, man. Um, but Matt Ryan does look they. They both look washed. Russell Wilson yes. and Matt Ryan both looked washed in that game. No, neither one of them, can, like none of them, had zip on their throws. And we've seen Matt have. He's never been like a very extremely strong arm guy, but extremely accurate. Accurate gets yeah. the ball there on time. He was. He looked timid in the pocket. He had clean pockets at times. And was delivering interceptions. Like yeah. bro, that can't. That can't happen. And Russ looked horrible too, man. Um, if, if Russ isn't able to have the, the the wheels he used to have and be able to extend plays, that's what made him great. Extending plays and finding guys deep down down the field. But the the league is kind of caught up to a lot of those deep shots. A lot most defenses are playing too high and trying to get there at four. I think the Chiefs kind of changed the game well, uh, with shit. that because they've had to adjust. Even his deep ball to Jerry Judy late in the game, Jerry Judy had to have a complete stop. Yeah. So it wasn't even like that. Most of the time, Russell hitting people or, in stride. Or the one to Cortland Sutton over the middle when the ref away. And <laughs> we didn't know who it was actually to. Cause two oh, it wasn't it Tim Patrick. It was not to Cortland Sutton. That it was, was not to It was a Tim Patrick. Or who was that? No, that, that was uh, Campbell or Hamler. Oh, yeah. Ham it, yeah. It was, it was that the guy had a night. They both caught it. Yeah, Cortland. I was like, there should be two receptions on that one. Yeah, so I don't. The play calling. Two teammates fighting Russell's. Yeah, I think I read. And I said this before the season even started. I didn't. I do not believe in the Broncos. I don't. I, I've been. I've had a lot of questions the last couple of seasons about Russ. Um, hey, just to your point, Trevor he didn't did, look good the last Trevor couple years. Trevor did pick the Broncos to finish last. Yeah. And as bad as the Raiders are, and goddamn, are they? They bad. look better than the Broncos, Here's the thing. bro. The Broncos, outside of the hosting the Jets in a couple weeks yeah. and at Panthers later in the season, I don't know if they have another W on their schedule. They're, They're so bad. This was the time when they were supposed to capitalize on their soft schedule. They're, they had still to face Patrick Mahomes twice, Justin Herbert one more, or twice. Yeah. They had to face Derek Carr one more time. They, they There's like, uh, I think Joe Burrow. I think there's like a couple other people they have to face this season. I mean, how they get the Buccaneers? I think they face Tom Brady again. Yeah. Like, Well, think about the morale of the team because I'm, I'm, I'm sold that Hackett is not going to make it through the season. I think I think he gets fired. He has to get fired. He is so bad, and I'm not trying to be like an asshole and like and, and kick him when he management. kick him when he's, he's the down. Worst head coach in football. Yeah, yeah. He had to hire his own personal assistant to have yeah. help him with like situational football. It's like, dude, you can't. But here's the that problem. can't happen. Here's the problem for the the Broncos though. Okay, and I, I I spoke on this yesterday on Twitter about how they have to fire him. That's inevitable. Yeah. Like, and I would do it well, immediately. And, and the new the ownership didn't didn't hire they him. They didn't hire him. Right. Yeah. Here's the problem though. Everyone just assumes that they can just go get Sean Payton. Right. Why like he's gonna want to walk into that situation? Would Sean Payton <laughs> sign up to not only going into Patrick Mahomes' division? Yeah. But you have an expensive and rapidly aging and declining Russell Wilson as your quarterback. Mm -hmm. He's gonna be making you guys. They can't even get out of Russell Wilson's contract to probably 2027. Well, okay. and he's thirty four yeah, I mean, now. Well, say, say the Cowboys. Say the Cowboys so. job opens up. Say Drew Brees was significantly better than, <laughs> of than Russell Wilson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Significantly, still very much an accurate quarterback. <laughs> yeah, um, Drew Brees is one of the five he wouldn't miss, quarterbacks he wouldn't ever. Miss, he wouldn't have missed Hamler on that wide open touchdown oh the end of the game. That would put the game away. That so was you can't just assume that you're going to go and get some massive right. upgrade. You're going to have to probably coach. settle for someone's OC, Did someone's DC. Who's uh, uh, 
uh, Gruden. Just get Gruden. I'm sure. He'll, I'm sure he'll be. He'll be. Happy oh, to come I don't even know if Gruden would take that. FCS. That's what I'm saying. Like this is this is the like our guy Nick yeah. Wright said on first things first yesterday. This is the least ideal quarterback situation in the league. Which is crazy because Denver's always like a, an attractive spot to go. Because not the, anymore. The location is great. Yeah. The fan base is amazing. You yeah, know what I mean? Like after what I saw. But they're locked in Thursday. They're locked they in. They're locked out. in for the next four years. At least, at least, he's going to be forty years well, old. They were walking away before the overtime. Yeah, and here's like, the tide. Yeah, here's yeah, <laughs> the droves and droves were leaving. But here's the funniest part about the Broncos and what the, what they did to themselves here is that they had Russ when Russ uh, got traded to the Broncos. Yeah. they had under they had him under contractual control for two more years, twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three. They didn't have to extend him. Mm-hmm. They could have said, we're going to let he you play this season out. Yeah, if yeah. you play well, we're well, going to give you that extension it. you want. Yes, because yeah. you proved it. You come into this, and then you give him a four or was it a five-year five extension that's going to pay him, like Trevor said, until he's 41 years old. Yeah. You, they they deserve all this. <laughs> they did, This is how much of a poverty franchise they become. A once proud franchise, I might add, that didn't have like a losing record for like 28 straight seasons. Outside of one franchise quarterback, they've been dependent on retreads. Man. The whole entire time. Dude, literally, Tom, Peyton Manning going there for four years kept them from being the Browns over the last yeah, 15 years. Yeah, that one happened to work out because they just Peyton had a Manning's amazing. Door. But... Yeah, four years. He saved them for a four-year span. Yep. Outside of that, before then and after that, they've been the Browns. Yep. They've been the Browns. They can't keep a quarterback. They can't Kyle develop Orton. a quarterback. Yeah. It's terrible, man. I know we just delved off yeah, I know I'm supposed to be about Matt Ryan, but I do think Matt Ryan should retire because I he, he's washed. I, I I can't I cannot deny I what I'm going to. I cannot deny what I'm seeing. I know he, he probably won't, and I don't blame yeah. him because there's money. Eighteen you know? million dollars. He's going to get paid a lot of that's guaranteed anyways. But yeah. the Colts need to figure out something, man, because they might be worse off. And, and I love Matt Ryan. I've always loved him, but they might be worse off with Matt Ryan than they were with Carson Wentz because at least Carson Wentz could actually make some. He can actually make some that. throws that are like when he's under pressure. I mean, I know he's trash too, but he looks horrible in Washington as well. He's had a hot start, but he yeah. looks horrible the last couple weeks. Yeah, Matt. I think Matt Ryan should retire, but he probably won't. Man, rough. All right. Uh, so, is the KU football program taking that next step, or what we are seeing is a fluke? Oh, they've already taken the next step. Lance Leipold three years ago took this team over. Right? They were the. They were literally ranked as the worst. Uh, program in college football, Division One football. Within three years, they're a ranked team in the top 20. That isn't a fluke. That's called building a culture and building a program. And that's exactly what Lance Leipold's done. Just want to throw it out here. It, it took a Lance to fix KU. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just, yeah. A Lance, just hello. It's called a Lance, hello. <laughs> and they, th- this is something that is that is nothing short of amazing because it's so difficult to do that in, in, in regions like Kansas too, by the way, because you saw what Bill Snyder did with K-State and how difficult that was for him to do all those years, but he did it. Mm. And it's something to be proud of and it put them on the map. And it's no different than guys like uh, Coach K with Duke. Before Coach K, that was a nobody cared about Duke. Nobody paid attention to Duke. Now that's one of the most prestigious jobs because of a guy like Coach K. Yep. Lance Leipold isn't going to be here forever. He's I think he's fifty eight or fifty nine years old now. But if he does stay here for the next six seven years, all of a sudden Kansas becomes a place that you know coaches are going to start looking at. Hey, you know I might I might take that over. Well, and talent wants to come play here because what he's also yes that yeah. is that's, that's the number the one thing, thing. With, the, with the with the nil with all the you know portals and all that stuff going on yep. that Lance Eipold's would bang in the the table for. But it's also this 
with success like this, it's going to force KU Athletics to start putting money more into football because it's been a basketball school forever. Well, Since very like rarely, Dale Sayers' days. Well, very been, rarely do you see basketball schools and have a good football pro, pro a top football but, program as well. But That's team, rare. And it's ironic because it's another blue blood school yeah. that is showing the way the map is Kentucky. Yeah. So Kentucky started having a more reputable football program over the last four, four years, four mm-hmm. or five years. Once they signed, I think it's Stoops. Uh, uh, yes, uh, forget his first name, but Stoops is their coach. Yeah. Not Bob Stoops, the other Stoops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And since then, Kentucky's hands been forced to start funneling some more money over into the football side because, as we all know, the big generator of money, revenue generator, is football. So KU, as much as they love their basketball program, they just won a national championship, and Bill, Bill Self is still the man. He will forever be the man as long as he's there at Kansas. They are now going to have to start taking their football program a lot more seriously and putting money into that, which means better equipment, better facilities, a better field. All these other things are going to... I mean, college game day, as we're doing this show right now, college game day, Pat McAfee, all the guys yep. are there at yep. Kansas, 30 minutes from the, from where we're at right now, out there. Our guy Brayton Turner's out there getting interviewed, all this stuff. That doesn't happen unless Lance Leipold's there. So unless he decides to go to Wisconsin and goes to Nebraska, which he has ties to, and it would make sense, if he stays and stakes his flag here at Kansas... There ain't nothing fluky about it. Yep. It's because of him. He is that Coach K to Kansas. He is that 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 culture changer, that 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 revolutionary piece, that asset that changes everything here. And I'm here for it, man. Again, it's not going to be for a long, long period of time because he's already nearing 60. He may coach for another five to ten years. He may not. All I do know is that he's putting he's putting a much more reputation. He's changing everything that once was here over the last 13 years since Mangino got fired. He is putting something on this map, and he handles it with much more grace than Mangino did because Mangino was an awesome coach. Coach, but he was also an asshole, and that's why people kind of were like, eh, the moment they started to struggle, KU was like, we're getting rid of this dude. He, he was wasn't also a player's attached. coach. He was attached to the whole Lou Perkins thing with the bubbles. Yeah. He was a part of all that stuff. Lance Leipold does things the right way, if there was a right way to do it, and, and no, there's nothing fluky about it because you're seeing the upward trajectory each and every year. They got better and better and better, and now you see them at the pinnacle, and they're getting that respect. Yeah, it's 100% real, and I think what's happening in, in, in Lawrence, Kansas right now. Um and I'm grateful. As a lifelong KU fan, I've never been able to really support the football program because it's just ne- there's never been anything to look forward to. You know, maybe one or two wins a year here and there. I think we had one six-win season a few a, a damn near decade ago. Um, so this is something new, something special, something to look forward to, something to support and, and you know and um, and ride with. Uh, Lance Leipold has obviously been the key cog here to the success and the trajectory that he's changed here in this uh, in this culture. Um, but Jalen Daniels is special. Um, uh, that, I think he is the main reason why a lot of this is happening as far as what's on the field. The, the kid is he's special. And I, don't, I don't say that a lot about a lot of players. I, I do see him becoming an NFL quarterback. I think he's got that. He, he's that, that new style of quarterback that he can, he can run. He's very accurate. He can throw on the run very accurately. Um, he's a very good decision maker. Um, and there's not like a lot of massive studs offensively. We've had a couple guys that are on this team that are that are good, but I mean, as far I think Griffin is a solid receiver. Um, but there's there's just something happening. It's it's magical what's happening. It's similar to Appalachian State, like Appalachian State and Kansas right now, are the two best stores in college football. They just are. What's going on in both these the uh, programs? So. I hope this is something um, that sticks around and something that he, he changes the culture here and the football side of things because uh, we have nothing but a winning culture here when it comes to basketball. Everyone knows that. We're arguably the best basketball program in NCAA history. Um, I think we are. But as far as football goes, man, this is definitely not a fluke. Um, this is real. We got a big game today. Uh, hopefully we can we can take advantage of that and, and, and you know seize the day and seize the moment on this one. But 
college game day is here in KU. That's something I never thought I would be saying. You know, we got Pat McAfee in town. It's just a cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was wearing that that Thank toilet plunger yeah. through his head. It's hilarious. Um, but yeah, um, it's exciting, man. It's an exciting time as a Kansas fan. I know we got a lot of fair weather fans, but for good reason. I mean, we've been horrible for so long. Uh, nothing to look forward to. You go to you can go to a game for like five bucks. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, the booth is gonna be is gonna be rocking today, man. So I'm excited to see. I'm excited to watch this game today for sure. But it's definitely not a fluke. Who are they playing? Today, TCU. 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 Who's also a undefeated as well, right? Yeah. TCU's a really good team, man. I yeah. think they're actually the favorites today. Well, we have the mistaken. better coach and better quarterback. So. <laughs> there you go. I like that. I like that. Uh, and their stadium is actually uh, getting an update next uh, uh, next year. Yeah, that's all praise to Lance Leipold, man, because I'm telling you, he's been talking about it, too. Hey, I think he stays here, know. too. I know we're I talking about so. a lot of the offers and you stuff, but I think he stays I, here. I don't think that, like, um, I thought that was uh, that was the case with the, the whole head coach, and that's why they're getting the new thing. But our coworker Matt, he talked to me. He was like, "You know, this is not because of KU football program. Mm. This is because of the KU basketball program." Mm. He was like, "When was the last time that uh, that uh, that stadium got an up- upgrade? 2009, which after was they won the, the national championship. At the year after they won oh, the yeah, national I mean, championship. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm sure it incentivizes it. I'm saying what I'm what I'm saying is that I think it adds to the uh, expedite ex- expediting the process when you have a coach out there that you can buy into. Oh, we know, you know we he's know. Get you to and we know where the money's being generated as far as programs go. The basketball, <laughs> right. the basketball program is my point. By though, far. Really, they can't really touch Allen Allen Fieldhouse. Right. I, I, I don't think they. Can. Hell my point no. though, Originally, guys, the best is, atmosphere great, in basketball. As great as the college, the the KU basketball program is, and as much as they pack that house out. If they get a prestigious football program, that is going to quadruple, Bro. if not more, revenue than what basketball could ever dream of it's doing. It's got to happen. Because of the, the attendance, merch, all that stuff. And people, there's just more football fans than basketball fans. It's just the truth. You look at any other market out there. So if KU starts to build a more reputable football program, the, gen- the revenue is going to be generated through the football program, not necessarily basketball. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at the big football program, Alabama, they yeah. don't have a great basketball program. Exactly. Yeah, Clemson, yeah. not a great basketball program. Right. Even Texas, as good as they've been at times in basketball, yeah. we all know what re- what generates revenue there. You yeah. know, like you said about Alabama, the SEC schools, they Nebraska, might have Nebraska, decent basketball Syracuse, here and there, yeah. but their football programs, without question, the ones that bring in the billions and the millions and all the all the – really well, It could be Missouri be bad at both. <laughs> that one's that's my favorite. <laughs> Thanks, Trev. Sorry, no, guys. Everybody just exited right now. Sorry, like, guys. Yeah, Sorry to my Missouri people. <laughs> God damn. Shots fired. God damn, dude. All right, man. Uh, so October baseball has officially begun yesterday with uh, the wild card uh, round obviously being played. Now, my question to you guys is who is the favorite to lift the trophy? I mean, it's it's tough for me to say because baseball is all about the the pitching, and I'll, although this one's difficult for me because I thought like we talked about yesterday about the Mets. The Mets were the team that has you know Jacob Degrom, and and you know they have this this insanely insanely great pitching staff and a closer that everybody loves. This might be that one year though where chalk is is what gets it done. I remember before the season, I believe, I believe I picked the Braves and the Rays to face each other. And both of them were in the playoffs, and both of them look really, really good so far. Or they, they, they both look like they're ready to go because the Braves haven't played yet. they got the bye. Um, 
But I, I think I'm going to stick with my chalk here because, again, I think the Mets were that team that for a while looked like that team that was going to be the ones that, that take it over. And then within days, the Braves take the division from them. Yeah. Like, how did that just happen? The Mets had the division, like, locked up practically within, like, a two-week span. I think it was 12 days hmm. the Braves took the division from them. I think they got hot at the right time, the Braves did. And I think although the Yankees have this great story of Aaron Judge, which is rightfully so, they're the you know that prestigious team that has all the bats. We all know, man, when the, when the weather drops, so does bat production. And it comes down to pitching. So although it, it looks a lot more um, up in the air than I anticipated initially, I'm sticking with my prediction. I think it's going to be the Rays and the Braves, and the Braves repeat as champions against the Rays in the, in the World Series. So I'm going to say Braves is a favorite, and the Rays are the other contender that I'm going to still take. Yeah, I mean, I still my pick was the Dodgers at the beginning of the year, they look I, and I, I still, I still, I still am, am sticking with my pick. I, I, I they won over 110. Was it 112? I think games. Yeah, they had the best roster in baseball. It's unbelievable. Um, I, I, and I know it's easy just to go with them, but that's who I picked at the beginning of the year, and we talked about it, and that's who I'm sticking with now. I don't know who they're going to beat. Um, no, they won. 111, the Astros won 106, the Braves won 101, and the Yankees won 99. Right. <laughs> and I'm self-admittedly not a big baseball guy, so I don't sit and watch a lot of hours of baseball. I just don't have the time, personally, and I've never been a big passion. I, I appreciate the sport and I respect it, but I don't, I'm, not, I'm not like a passionate baseball guy. Um, I, I, I admire it in passing and things like that, and I admire a lot of the players in the game, but I just, I, I, I just love a lot of the players in this Dodgers roster, and I think they're overwhelmingly good. Um, and I think in a series, I just don't know who's going to beat them in a series. I mean, I, it, listen, baseball is a weird sport. We, it, underdogs are a lot of times the underdogs have been king in a lot of baseball games and, or series as far as playoffs and things like that in World Series go. So we've seen so many Cinderella stories in baseball. Um, but I just think this Dodgers team is the team I, I picked in the beginning of the year, and they've done nothing but be great all year. They've had little lulls, but overall they've been so good, and this roster's too good. And uh, I think they're the ones hoisting the trophy at the end of the year. And again, I don't want to sleep on the Astros because they, they, they are the best team record-wise in the AL. But I just like cheating. <laughs> oh, shit. They're still a loaded roster. They're still a very loaded roster. I think Cleveland's a good team. Toronto, I'm not as I've never been a big on the Toronto uh, Blue Jays because I think they're such an up and down team, even though they did win 92 <laughs> games. Seattle's a fun team. I really like what I uh, Rodriguez. I think he's an incredible. Yes, I love what they're doing. They finally made the postseason for the first time in over a decade. Yeah. It's really years. cool to see. It's yeah. So oh yeah, my bad. Yeah, 20 years. Damn. I think it's great to see. I know the I know the Rays are the bottom of the barrel when it comes to the the playoff season. Meetings, but they're just that team. Like I said, they're that team that have the right pitching staff race. and all, <laughs> and they just get it done. They only had eighty six victories, but how many? I mean, throw, I, I can answer this because I pay attention to baseball a little bit better than you guys do. There's been so many teams throughout the years that win fewer than ninety games that get to the World Series. It happens all yeah. the time, and Was so the Royals. 2014? Yeah, 2014, they had less than, I think, well, they may have won right at 90. I could be wrong. But the point is, they weren't the high seed. And all of a sudden, the next year, they went, I think, like 95 or 96 games. Yep. Uh, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Wildcard teams throughout that's base, history. That's baseball, though, it's man. Baseball. It's baseball. always a Cinderella right story. Pitching, yeah. Situational hitting, that, things yeah. of that nature. I'm Hot not giving streaks. up on my pick, man. I still yeah. think the Braves and Rays will face. But Trevor made a great point, man. The Dodgers are just unfucking believable. Yeah. 111 victories. It's overwhelming. Dominated. I think they clinched the division like late July. It's overwhelming. Like, it's just yeah. dumb what they did, man. It just stupid how great they I was, are. I was looking at a stat that uh, uh, of the game uh, like against the Padres. Yeah, it's like they've only lost, like they were like twenty something to four or something <laughs> like that against like, them against the Padres in yeah. the last few seasons. I'm like, holy there, fuck! Yeah, yeah. The Dodgers are the team that are supposed to be here, and they're here, and they're doing exactly what they signed up for this year. Yeah, the, Do the the Padres made the playoffs at 89 and 73. 
The Dodgers won 25 more games Jeez. than they did, and they finished second in their division. Imagine finishing 25 games over the next team in your division. That's wild, man. That's, That's how dumb, dumb it, man. Yeah. Like, oh no, sorry, uh, 22 games, but still. Yes, but as far as baseball games, goes, you don't see that a lot. A, another playoff team in your division, you yeah. won over 20 more games than they did. Like I said, they pretty much the division like July, like late July. They were like, yeah, this division's over. Like maybe not officially, but we all knew. Like there ain't no way the Dodgers are giving this up. Yeah, so. Trevor could be right. <laughs> and uh, the Mariners could, is that Cinderella story. Who could potentially be that wild card team hey, that nobody's expecting? That's what makes baseball their great. Their pitching is great. Mm-hmm. Everything is great, you know? Yeah. Yep. And it looks like the Astros, Astros are not missing Correa at all. And I think they've been better this year without yeah, Correa. If anything, they, they've been, yeah. yeah, it's kind of like the Tyreek Hill effect. You know what I'm saying? You lose a star and you think things are going to go downhill, and all of a sudden, oh, wait, they're still fucking good. <laughs> Addition by subtraction. Yeah, dude. Yep. All right, so Aaron Rodgers, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron no, Aaron Judge broke the uh, American League home run record, but people are downplaying it because of Barry Bonds holding the "quote unquote" real record, according to them. But to me, is uh, them not knowing what American League and National League are? Because Barry Bonds holds a National League record with seventy three, which is also the all time record right. for home runs, single season. Yeah. Yep. But then there's also an American League, yeah. which now Aaron Judge holds that record. Yep. So people, I don't know why people are downplaying his record and pretty much saying, well, Barry Bonds was better. What does that have to do with the other? Well, I don't want to speak for everyone because I can't. I will speak from my perspective of what I've seen and how it's been perceived. So there's been there's been more of a defensive approach with this from, from a lot of writers, yeah, even reporters like Jeff Passan, yep. who had to come out and say it because here's the reason why. Aaron Judge didn't just break a record. He broke a record from Roger Maris, who's a legendary player, not just with the Yankee lore, but baseball lore. And unfortunately, Roger Maris has a son who won't shut the fuck up about a quote-unquote clean record. So what he's done is he's implemented this idea or this narrative that what Aaron, Aaron Judge is doing or did is more impressive than what Barry Bonds did. So that's why people are addressing it, at least from my perspective. And I agree with Jeff Passan and all the other people that are coming to the defense of Barry Bonds because whether it's an AL or NL record or all-time record, whatever it might be, the facts still remain that Barry Bonds hit 11 more home runs in his record-setting season than Aaron Judge did. So don't tell us that Aaron Judge's record has more validity or more clout or more factual standing than Barry Bonds' because, as I recall, and I can look up MLB Pro Reference just as quickly as anybody else, the record still holds and it still shows Barry Bonds. So congratulations to Aaron Judge. And this is the, this is the part that pisses me off is that became the conversation. Mm-hmm. Not what Aaron Judge did. It's, it's about it. what Barry Bonds did and how he did it. Yeah. I'm the biggest Barry Bonds fan there is. He's the greatest player that's ever lived in my eyes. Definitely the greatest but hitter. I don't sure. want to talk about Barry Bonds when it comes to Aaron Judge. What I want to talk about is Aaron Judge. I want to talk about him setting a record he deserves all the praise for. Right. Because not only did he do it, he did it in a season where he bet on himself. You know how badass that is? To be able to say, nope, I'm not going to take your 200 plus million dollars, Yankees. Oh, I'm going to go out there and bet on myself. Cool. And I'm going to go rake and have an historic season. That should be the talking point. But unfortunately dipshits like Roger Maris Jr. are out here criticizing Barry Bonds and making it a Barry Bonds and muddying the making it a Barry Bonds conversation muddying the waters as opposed to just giving praise to Aaron Judge for what he's done yeah that should be the talking point that's that's why that's why baseball is where it's going you have Tom Verducci saying stupid shit like that as well piggybacking off of what Roger Maris Jr. is saying Tom Verducci one of the most respected men in all of baseball analytics is coming out here and making articles about well which one would you prefer, a guy who did it clean or didn't? 
Man, you gotta stop because to that point, now that we're muddying the waters, let me muddy it a little bit more. It's so goddamn disrespectful and dishonest that we're sitting here killing Barry Bonds for this when over... And, I, and, and people hate me when I say it, but if you go look at the Balco, if you go look at all the lists of people that tested positive, the majority of them, the over amounts, majority of them were pitchers. So who was cheating who? <laughs> when we all loved it, it was the greatest era in baseball history. It will forever be the greatest baseball uh, era of baseball history. And the guys throwing the ball to Barry Bonds, pitching the ball to Barry Bonds, were also on the juice. So who was he cheating? That means they can throw the fastball faster, so when you connect with it, it's guaranteed to be a home run, Lance. <laughs> but you see how that conversation goes? <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense. You're yeah. trying to cr- kill one man for an era of juicers. Everybody was doing it. So you can't say you kill, kill one man for doing it. So muddying the waters like this on Barry Bonds is so disrespectful and so dishonest to the accomplishments that man put out there. It's so dishonest. And I feel bad for Aaron Judge because he has to take on this like responsibility of having to like divert from those conversations when he should be able to bask in the glory of what he just did. It's nothing short of amazing. And it just really sucks. And this is why baseball goes the direction they go because they can't get out of their own goddamn way. They say stupid shit like this and they do stupid shit like this. And you wonder why it's ranking borderline below hockey and MLS soccer now and ratings. It's it's that terrible, man. Yeah, it's 100%. They're, they're, they're... You know I'm right, though, Eddie. MLS is gaining popularity. I'm actually giving them credit. MLS is gaining popularity. <laughs> you got to understand, dude. MLS soccer's been around for what, 30 years? 92. So, about, 94, so, so almost 30 years. Major League Baseball has been around for almost 200 years. Mm. So they have all this advantage, and now they're competing with each other. It's, yeah. That's how sad it is. A credit to the MLS. I'm just saying that baseball should be head and shoulders above them in popularity because they have better athletes and far more coverage. In this, country for, in this country, for sure. Uh, but, yeah, they're definitely pissing in the cereal of Aaron Judge. I mean, this is a, um, it's an incredible accomplishment, what he's done, man. Um, the guy strikes out a lot, yes, but, I mean, most great home run hitters strike out a lot because they're swinging for the fences, and this this guy does it better than anybody in the league. Um, he's a force. He's battled through a lot of injuries in his young career um, and has gotten his way here to this point where he set that record. And it's incredible. I, I mean, I got nothing but respect for the guy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, even the, the Barry Bonds stuff is hilarious to me because, I mean, before the steroid stuff and after the steroid stuff, the dude was still blasting on Homer, so it doesn't really matter. The guy did it his whole career. He's the greatest hitter ever. His whole career, he was great. His whole career, yep. um, it did it help him, sure. But like there was, and he was, it wasn't like he was alone. There's other guys that could have taken it away from him. You know what I mean? So it's like this guy, his swing, everything that dude did, did in his career, even late in his career, is still hitting. I mean, look at Pujols, still doing what he does, hitting home runs, still setting records, still racking up those stats. It's, talent is talent. You know what I mean? These guys are talented. Barry Bonds is the greatest hitter of all time. He's because he was purely talented. He was born to do what he did. Judge was born to do what he's doing and what he did this year. Um, so it's I, we just need to we need to stop pissing at people's cereal and just give respect where it's due and stop being such a purist. That's one of the most frustrating things to me about baseball is like these unwritten rules and this purist stuff. And it's kind of leaking into football a little bit too with like this this being like the passing era now where like a lot of <laughs> quarterbacks nowadays are like Mahomes is crushing yeah. a lot of passing touchdown records and passing yards yeah. records because because the way the game is now, which is fine, but like. It is what it is. Throw the ball more back then. I, I don't know what to tell can you. Can I like, trigger some purists here? Because I'm sure there's some that are watching this and listening to this right now. Uh, you, I hope people realize that Babe Ruth had a far more greater advantage than Barry Bonds ever did. What I mean by that is Babe Ruth never had to face the best in the world. Oh, yeah. He faced the best in the States. Yeah. He did not face black and Hispanic men. 
which were better at baseball in some regards. Yeah, Dominican, yeah. The game only got better when Hispanic and black guys started playing baseball yep. and were allowed to play in the they major leagues. They brought true athleticism Once to the game. Once that happened, the yeah. game just took off. It's yeah. no different than basketball, football. The product got better because it wasn't a bunch of pasty dudes Granted, out he there. He blazed the trail for a lot of people, but yeah. yeah. It became a real game of everybody. So Barry, Babe Ruth and his records, although are great, didn't face the best in the world. Legends never die. Lance. Barry did, and Barry not just not only faced the best in the world, he was facing them on juice. Right. So we could sit here and crush him for doing whatever he did, but the fact remains that he had disadvantages that Babe Ruth didn't, and Babe Ruth had advantages that Barry Bonds didn't. And to your point, Trevor, about the you know passing aspect of the NFL, real quick, what's funny about that is that people will take that away from guys like Patrick Mahomes that are setting records and blowing records away. Mm-hmm. But what about 20, 30 years ago when running backs were setting records? Are we going to take that away from them because it was a running era? Like, how do we differentiate? That's what I'm saying. Why do, why do we take away from quarterbacks for setting records and doing great things because it's more of a pass-friendly league? But back when it was all about running the ball, guys like Jim Brown and Barry Sanders, Emmitt Smith, Walter Payton, setting LaDainian Thomas and Priest Holmes, all setting these records and doing individual things, are we going to say, well, they played the running era, so, you know, of course they did well. Derrick Henry's better than all of them. Can I do that? Because I thought that's how we did things. It's got to be one of the. It's got to be a two-way street here. We can't knock one era and then praise the other one for doing what they did when it was specifically built for them in that era. Well, it's a moot point to me with the quarterbacks. So just to end this real quick. Yeah. The quarterback position is to throw the ball. It's been that way since the Wild. beginning. From the beginning of this game when it was invented, Breaking. you throw the ball. So there's always a choice. You can always throw the ball. We just tend to throw the ball a little bit more now. So, a little better. And we're a little bit better now, talent-wise. <laughs> so, I mean, that's kind of why the stats are what they are. That's literally what it is. And, and there's with, a reason the league evolved this direction. Of course. <laughs> and with Darren Judge, he was, <clears throat> what, .004 away from uh, getting the triple crown. Yeah. Yeah, he man. Got three, he bet at 311, and I think, uh, what's his name, Arias, or uh, Arias, bet at 316. Incredible Yeah, it was very close. One of the greatest seasons in MLB history. As, as much of a non-Yankee guy as I am, I would, I, would, I would love to see him win it this year just well, to top it off. That'd be incredible. He's a free agent 2024. <clears throat> I think he's a free agent this year. Is it this year? Yeah, after this offseason, because that's why they were trying to get him an extension. Because Contract. He, he bet on himself. Contract, you're undefeated, and, man. <laughs> here's, I think uh, Buster Olney or somebody broke it down. They said that, um, oh, maybe even Tim, Tim Kirchin, I forget. One of the legends. They said that Aaron Judge, to start the season off, he had a home run in like his first 55 at-bats. So for him to still do that, what he's done this season, after not, go, I think he went homerless his first like fifty five at bats. I can go look up the game logs, Dang. but I'm pretty sure it was like fifty plus at bats to start the season in April. That's crazy. Not a home run. So to still do what he did, he like I think he had multiple months of like fourteen plus home runs. Like it's just stupid what the guy did. Incredible season. I think he, I think he's gonna end up with either the Giants or a team in Cali. He's a Cali kid, and one of those Dodgers. teams, one of those shit. Just end the season. It, it, he goes I to the Dodgers. Surprised, bro. Season. I think he's gonna go. No, I really do think he'll go to like the Giants or a yeah. big market. California team, somewhere by the bay. Yeah, and he's yeah. gonna he's gonna go out there and make a ton of cash. And the Giants are a good team. I think he'll I think he'll end up there. Or the Angels. That would be that would be great. What's the next question, Eddie? <laughs> Don't talk about the Angels. Like, Shohei Otani was it last year? Next year? What? It's, That's his last year, right? With yeah. the Angels. It's coming it could up. be. Yeah, yeah, and he'll be twenty nine. I would just love to see him and Trout on the same team, man. Judge and Trout. Oh, they're talking about Otani. I was like, Otani. Yeah. Well, yeah. they kind of are. <laughs> no, but. Judge and uh, Judge will never go there because they just they nobody cares about the Angels. Terrible dude, yeah. Yeah, Nobody cares about the Angels. True. You can't go from the Yankees to the Angels. I just can't. If he goes to the West Coast, it'll be with either the Giants or the Dodgers. I think it'll be the Giants. Giants will give him a four. But then you can throw the Padres in there too. You know. Yeah. That's and judges judges in the prime of his career too. He's just now turned thirty. He'll he'll have another five six great seasons of baseball. He stays healthy, uh, which is something and, he struggled with. But and with true. Tatis Jr. being suspended 
the Fuga, was it like 40 games next season too? Over 40 games because it was an 80-game suspension. I think like 25 games left. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, Padres can be like, hey. Be a nice little duo with her. Yeah. My God. Shit. Living in San Diego, hitting home runs. Man. That sounds like the life to me, man. But then you play the Dodgers. and yeah. <laughs> True. All right, last question. I want to get your thoughts on the whole Draymond Green, Jordan Poole situation. Yeah, uh, just keep this one brief because I'm definitely going to talk about this one later. Um, it's it's uh, it's nothing short of shameful. Uh, nothing short of shameful. And I'm I'm somebody that's big on, uh, you know, in in the heat of a moment, you know, in the, in the middle of a game or in the middle of, of of something like that. I get that being a guy and being a competitive guy, emotions do fly high. They they do. And I'm not going to sit here and crush a man for getting you know riled up. This situation is different though. Because both Draymond Green and Jordan Poole were on the sidelines. And they were just jawing at each other. And for somebody that puts themselves out there as an instigator and a shit talker at an elite level, which, by the way, is the only thing that Draymond's really been elite at for the majority of his career, it's funny when the tables are turned, he can't handle it. When somebody is talking to him, he can't handle it. And he wants to get in their face and cause a commotion and cause a, a, a skirmish, if you He's will. He's never been able to handle it. He's never been able to handle it. And this shows his – so people think that Draymond's mentally strong. <laughs> he's actually mentally weak because right. he's cost his team so many times because of his mental weakness. In the biggest moments. He is, he is a shit talker but can't ever back it up because he doesn't actually fight. He sucker punches teammates. That's how tough he is. Yeah. That's why when people talk about Michael Jordan showing his competitive nature by punching Steve Kerr, no, that showed me weakness. That showed me that you can't withstand having a teammate coming at you and challenging you. You should be able to talk those things through, work through those things. Even if you want to cuss each other out and make things happen like that, that's fine. But assaulting a teammate is never something I will support. Yep. Assaulting anybody is nothing I'll ever support. And they come at you? Like, let's say that video showed Jordan Poole decking Draymond Green. I'm like, you know what? Fair game. Because Draymond Green was walking at him, put his chest on his chest, and got in his personal space. Jordan Poole wanted to deck Draymond? Uh, it's all fair game to me because a man's acting like a man. You want to be a man? Okay, we can do that. But when you come at me, and then I shove you off of me, and then you Superman sucker punch me, that's that's bitch shit right there, bro. Straight up bitch shit. And I, I can't support Draymond Green whatsoever in this. I saw guys like Reggie Miller and a bunch of other guys trying to deflect by saying, well, how did the who got that video out? Man, that is not that is the least most important part of all this. I'm sure the Warriors they don't should be like, fired though. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and and there's theories out there that maybe the Warriors wanted to put that out there. Maybe. Who knows? And that's and that's something we can talk about as well. But the fact is, we gotta quit deflecting and defending guys like Draymond Green for doing stupid shit. Yeah. He's supposed to be a leader. And you can't tell me for a second this ain't about Jordan Poole being in line for a massive extension and Draymond Green asking one and he's not going to be getting it at 32 years old as a limited player already. That's not happening. And Jordan Poole is more of an integral part now with the Warriors than even Draymond Green is in some aspects because he's a guy that can shoot. He's a guy that can help as a reserve player come in when Steph or Clay mm -hmm. or one of those two guys isn't as hot as they oh, normally yeah, yeah, are. Yeah. He can come in there and light it up. And we've seen multiple times over the last two years Jordan Poole come in and save their team. They'll be down 13 points, and within 45 seconds, he just hit three threes. Yep. And they're right back in the game. So he's more of an integral part. And I think Draymond is realizing he's become a threat, and he needs to reestablish his alpha mentality, alpha male presence, to a guy like Jordan Poole who's getting more glitz and glam and get a little bit of the shines coming off Draymond a little bit. That's why he's always had that edge, and I respect it because it's what's made him a, a player that's gotten the league for as long as he has and a borderline Hall of Fame player. But those days are now gone, and he can't handle that, and he's now lashing out at people that, ironically, are doing what he's made a career of doing, which is shit talk. It's hilarious. Yeah, um, 
this is a really bad look for Draymond. He's one of the um the very vocal, uh, outspoken uh, men of note as far as a brand ambassador for the NBA. Uh, he's you know the, at the at the ESPYS they had him doing his live podcast. He's like his podcast is blowing up. He's one of the very vocal like faces for the league as far as like off the court talk and and things like that and, and keeping it real and having conversations with other players, ex players and current players. And it's great. He's great at that content. It's very very it's easy for him. He makes it seem seamless. Um but this this might permanently um tarnish his brand because um this was 100% a sucker punch. As, so from, just from my personal life and my personal experiences, I'm someone who's had some skirmishes and stuff just growing up in the, in the, you know, in the playgrounds and, 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 and the YMCA's and boys and girls clubs playing. I played a shit ton of basketball growing up. It was my favorite sport to play. It was my best sport pop, probably for me personally. I love playing basketball. I played hours and hours and hours, full court, half court, 21, you name it. doesn't matter. I loved playing basketball. Um, I got into a lot of heated base with my brothers and, 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 and people that, that I didn't even know all the time. I was a hot headed guy. Um, but typically, it was a, it was even your reaction to something, or I was I was not performing as well as I wanted to. This is at a practice. This is a this is a professional sport. This is a job. Me playing on the playgrounds and playing some pickups and guys and getting into an argument and sometimes blows being thrown or whatever what have you. That's that's on the park. That's that's outside. That's recreational. This is a job. If if anyone he's a professional. He's a paid professional in this sport. If any paid professional in any job at, at one point or another at any time assaults another coworker, like the way that he was, he it looked like he knocked Poole out for yeah. a second. Yeah. It was a clean shot because yeah. and any and I'll and I'll revert back to me playing in like my my, my playground days and, and growing up playing basketball in the YMCA's and stuff. Anyone who it, it, in no way did Poole look like he was ready to fight. He was trying to get Draymond to shut the hell up. I don't know what was being said. Some very personal things could definitely have been said. So. But, but personal responsibility and self-control has to come into the play here at some point. And Draymond lost all of that in that moment. Um, any, the, the body language of, of Jordan Poole shoving him away, he was just like trying to get him to shut up and continue with the practice because everyone was just waiting on them because they're sitting there arguing and they're trying to continue practice. Yeah. He shoves him away. His fists, were, his fists were not clenched in any way. He was not ready to square up. Anyone knows when someone's ready to square up and fight, both guys are ready to go. Right. Obviously, they were jaw-jabbing. But Draymond out of nowhere, just Superman punches him out of nowhere after the after the shove. He's just trying to get him to shut up. That's a normal thing. I mean, I mean, how many, how many times I've shoved people and trying to or throw a basketball at someone never had a real intention of throwing blows and making it that serious, but making a point know that I'm pissed off and that they're pissed off, so on and so forth. That's fine. But to Superman punch and and, and possibly permanently harm someone in the face and their eye socket, he hit him right there. I mean, who knows? I don't know what what Poole's face looks like, but he caught him good. And, and that's a lot bigger than and that. Jordan yeah, Poole's. and it's a yeah. Draymond's a big, strong guy. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's, six six two forty. His hands were down. He was yeah. not ready for that. He had just shoved yeah. him, pushed him away from him. He's not. He's obviously not trying to fight. That was one hundred percent a sucker punch, and I think that's going to one hundred percent damage permanently damage Draymond's brand. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be looked at. He's been a dirty guy on the on the court for years. He's kind of been a goon. That's what he does. He's he's a great player, no, nonetheless, of course. Um, but this is, yeah, this is rough, man. Um, and I think the person that leaked the video should be fired. I'm, that's not everyone's business, but in the social media age, nothing stays in the dark for long. Right. Right. So, I mean, this is, um, as a big basketball fan, this is not what I want to see. And I've seen a lot of these old heads, like coming out and talking, Oh, if they would have seen what happened in our locker room, bro, that doesn't, that doesn't change anything. It that doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Who did it. He, any, any, any employee that would, that would harm someone, assault someone on the premises of the job. Yeah. 
is immediately fired. Yes. I don't care if you're the GM. I don't care if you're the, the CEO. I don't care if you're just a, the, the, the garbage man. You're going to get fired. Yep. You're losing your job. If John Elway goes down there and punches one of the players, he's most likely going to lose his job. This is a job. This is not. This is not Rucker Park. This is not playing the YMCA. Job. And John Elliott already did a great enough job losing his job by not being able to draft or develop a quarterback. Exactly. You so, know what I mean? So, but yeah, tack that on. I, 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 I'm not trying to be like dramatic, overly dramatic here, but Draymond has every. There's, there's every reason to let him to, to fire him and let him go somehow and get him out of that program, and that he's a very pivotal player for them and he's, he plays a vital role for that team. I'm on the side to where he, he should face a massive disciplinary action and possibly lose his job at the Warriors. Well, I don't think he's... he's it's inexcusable. The, the, the massive extension he was looking for is way out the window Of now. course. That's what I'm saying. So that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like As far as his personal brand, regarding, not outside of just the podcast stuff, but his personal brand and, and what he's trying to develop and, and play, as a person and a player... It's well, tarnished forever. Trevor, after you that. might want to go ahead and start saving up some money for that uh, Draymond Green Sacramento Kings jersey that you're going to be buying. Oh Jesus! Yeah, so Ron Artest all over that's again. That's happening. Yeah, but yeah, that, that was that was terrible. <laughs> after you just got done shitting on the Kings too, he's just talking about the Kings on the on the barbershop podcast. So, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, man, that's a that's a terrible look, and I, I hate seeing that. And I like I'm actually a, a pretty big Jordan Poole fan. I like that kid a lot. Uh, so I don't like seeing that at all. That that was just pure bullying to me, and I don't yep. like it, man. Yep. So. According to TMZ, is uh, that Jordan Poole is set for a big contract extension with the Golden State Warriors, something he's supposedly made known around the team's facilities, and it's <clears throat> and it's the reason things boiled over with Draymond Green. So, in other words, Draymond Green can't handle mm. his shit because Jordan Poole is a guy that's in line to get the money that Draymond wanted. As I said, he's now jealous of, Dr- of Jordan oh, and, Poole. And to your point, Jordan Poole is 100% the better player. Without now. question. It's not even close. Well, a more integral part. He's just the better player, bro. Yeah, okay. I, then yeah. you can go out there and drop 40 and 50. We've seen this kid drop yeah. north of 45 at night. So. Now, Draymond, Draymond is still an elite Dray- defender, but the impact, right. The impact yeah. on the defensive side, sure. But yeah. overall player, Jordan Poole is by far. Yes. He's one of the best rotational players in the NBA. Yes. Yeah. I agree 100%. Uh, yeah. I wanted to put out here, I'm assuming that's the end of the Eddie Hour. Thank you so much for those questions, man. Uh, we just got some updates while we're live streaming the show. This is the fun part of doing this and the unfortunate things at times. Uh, it looks like uh, KU's uh, quarterback, Jalen Daniels, did get hurt with a shoulder injury. Yeah. So I don't 10, know the extent of it. We hope he's okay, but it does sound like he did get a shoulder injury. Um, I'm looking for updates as we do this show. So if you guys have any out there that's watching and listening, <clears throat> Uh, go ahead and let us know as well. Drop them in the comments on our YouTube channel. Let us know what you guys think about that as well. It's 10 to 3 at halftime. 10 to 3 at halftime. TCU. Yeah, so we'll see what happens on that one. Uh, hopefully Jalen's okay for the long term, not just for today's game, but for the long term as well because he's had nothing short of an amazing season. Um, and, and mentioning our YouTube channel before we get to our next segment, I do want to uh, put it out there as we do each and every week. Hit us up on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. Let us know uh, what you guys think of the show. If you guys have questions or if you guys have statements you want to make some takes you have during the show or throughout the week while the show's on on YouTube, go ahead and put them on there. Subscribe to our channel and comment on our YouTube channel. We definitely appreciate it. It's been growing, but we want to get it a little bit further out there to, to monetize things and get some uh, some merch out there, even more merch that we have, which is two sh- uh, two shirts out there for you guys to to purchase if you guys would like to support the show and rock us out there. But uh, I do want to get to another segment. It is the segment that we try to get to each and every week, and we look forward to the most each and every week. It is previewing the upcoming Chiefs matchup, and this week it is Raider Week. We know a lot of Chiefs fans out there very much care about this. I know. Some some people still think this is a rivalry. I personally don't think it's even close to a rivalry more. I can break that down if you guys like me to. Eh, I might actually go ahead and do that. But 
Uh, it, Chiefs it, don't. It, it, we'll start it off right here. So uh, the Chiefs going into this matchup, I think are, are right, definitely high. We, I think they've they've found their identity both offensively and defensively. The Chiefs are one of those teams out there that know what they are, and they're also great at what they do. They're one of those few teams because some teams know they suck and they know who they are, and they just they suck. You know, <laughs> like the Lions. The highest scoring offense in football, the worst defense in football. Yeah, I mean, I heard people say if they just had a bad defense, they'd be four and zero. Yeah, like they have of all the thirty two defenses in the league, they have like the thirty eighth ranked defense. They're that bad. Yeah. Um, but the Chiefs are a team that find themselves in a place where they are about as complete as it gets in the league, and they are they the the Raiders are catching the Chiefs at literally the worst time because they you know people talk about this being a potential trap game because the Chiefs just went to the Bucks played them and then they have the Bills afterwards and sandwiched in between is the Raiders I get that mentality because I had told Trevor before I'll say it again when it comes to playing with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback I don't believe in trap games I don't believe that there is a way to make trap games happen because even though the Chiefs lost to the Colts that to me wasn't a trap game. That was the Chiefs making mental errors. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that I don't I don't feel like they went in there and said, Oh, we're just gonna blow these guys out. I just think the Chiefs made mistakes. And I think that's what happened in that game. I don't foresee that to happen in this week. And it's because of the fact that in Patrick Mahomes' era or in his career, there are very few teams he's owned more than the Raiders. Let me give let me give you the specifics. So in the eight matchups he's had with the Raiders in his career, there are seven and one. And they've outscored the Raiders two hundred and ninety nine to one hundred and fifty three. Since 2018, when Patrick Mahomes took over and his first time facing the Raiders, the Chiefs have outscored the Raiders 155 to 61 in Arrowhead. Patrick Mahomes has as many games with four plus touchdowns in his career versus the Raiders than Derek Carr has wins in his career versus the Chiefs with three. The Raiders defense currently ranks 24th in points allowed, 22nd in total yards allowed, 22nd in pass yards allowed, 21st in passing touchdowns allowed, 22nd in yards per play, 30th in takeaways, 16 in first first downs allowed, 20th in completions allowed, 28th in penalties. I'm going to keep this one really simple for you guys. The Chiefs are going to blow out the Raiders in this one. It's a terrible matchup, and we know that games always usually tend to go down to matchups. The Raiders don't have anything on defense that can even pose a threat to the Chiefs' offense. Chandler Jones was their biggest signing this offseason. He has zero sacks in four games. Max Crosby's still really good. Legit. But Max Crosby's going up four to five to one. He's like four or five on an offensive line, Tim. He's the only legitimate threat the Raiders have on defense right now. And he's not even a threat in totality compared to the Chiefs' offensive line. I tried to all week long. Find something that could legitimately give the Raiders a fighting hope in this game. And the only thing I can come out of is this is going to go exactly like week one went. Where the Chiefs go in, knowing what they have the next week on a short week. Because, as we all know, in week one they went to the Cardinals. They knew in four days they had the Chargers. Big game. We all knew what that game meant to the Chiefs. So what did I say in week one? I said, the Chiefs are going to go in there and put up 21 points immediately against the against the Cardinals and just kind of coast the rest of the game, put the oars back into the boat and let them coast. That's exactly what happened. The Chiefs went out there, had a 30-point lead going into the fourth quarter, game over. And then they went in there and played the Chargers because they knew that game mattered far more. This Raiders game does not matter to the Chiefs in totality. 
They know that they need to go off their coast, beat the shit out of this team, and they get ready for the Bills next week but in a short week. People would argue that's what sets up a, a trap game, though. But that's why. But that's why I'm saying I'm yeah. addressing the fact that I don't believe in the Mahomes there. You have trap games. You you don't see those in the history of the Chiefs with with Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback. They don't have trap games. They don't fall to bad. Well, oh, and I will teams. say I don't know if you watched the 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 recent episode of the franchise. Yes. At the very end of it, when Patrick Mahomes is in the huddle after they won that Bucks game, he's like, you know, you know, what we got Thank coming you. next week. So what I'm saying he's is he's ready to beat their ass from the, from 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 ten thousand feet. This yeah. game is not a threat to the Chiefs, but the Chiefs take these games seriously because they know it's also a divisional. It's a divisional game. It's a rivalry between the fans. That's it's it. It's a rivalry in the stands, That's not it. a rivalry on the yeah, field. The Chiefs yeah. own the Raiders. Yeah, the Chiefs own, own the Raiders. They're yeah. the, the, the last eight it's matchups. A fucking rivalry, okay? <laughs> <laughs> the last eight matchups, the Chiefs have beaten them by an average of thirty-seven to nineteen. Yeah, they're not like, a, these, a real, these, real this rivalry. Is, this is not comparable. So the Chargers is a rivalry. I, I tried to conjure something up where I'm like, you know what? Maybe Devontae <laughs> Adams. Maybe Devontae Adams has this massive game against the Chiefs. That's not happening either. At least not when it matters, because a lot eats. like a lot like what happened with the Bucks. I think that you could see Devontae Adams having like 130 receiving yards and a touchdown. Yeah. And you're like, damn, Devontae had a good game. But then you he see lost by 30 though. Yeah, but you, then you see <laughs> his game didn't really start kicking into gear until the third quarter when Derek Carr was playing prevent playing against prevent. Yeah, defenses. we played two high safeties. And yeah, I, I'm really trying to. I'm, here's the biggest thing, guys. Is that now we have a month of substance to go off of, of a sample size to go off of, mm -hmm. I think the Chiefs' defense is going to annihilate the, the Raiders' offense mm -hmm. because the Chiefs' defense, we just saw that they lost Renner, their uh, their, their offensive tackle, the Raiders did, yeah. at the worst time. Because yeah. now, and it ne it's never a good time. Like, oh, yeah, glad we, we lost him this He's week. He's been playing well, there. too. He's yeah. been playing good. He yeah. was their only good offensive lineman so far this season. Yep. Only good one. And now you're facing Chris Jones in this pass attack at the peak of their powers. Like, I know Willie Gay's not there, and I know Trent McDuffie's not going to be there probably for another week. Sounds like he's going to probably be there for the Bills game, which is great news. They have all their offensive weapons back. I think Renfro's back this but week, too. But here's the so. problem, is the Raiders do this thing each and every week, where they, 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 they tend to look pretty good at the beginning of the game, and they just find a way to just look absolutely lost at it. That is coaching. And you're going to tell me that going into Monday Night Football at Arrowhead against Andy Reid in this offense, that Josh McDaniel's going to find a way to counter that? Mm -hmm. Even with the weapons? I don't see it. Yeah. I just do not see it. And the best part about it is, is the Chiefs are catching the Raiders in an even better place because of the fact they're not an over team. The Raiders won last week against the Broncos. They got their nut off. So they got off that schneid. Yeah, exactly. They got they got that off they got yeah. off the schneid. They're not desperate like the Colts they're, were. They're not looking at this like we gotta win this game. Holy yeah. shit, like we gotta win. No. They're coming in here with belief because they obviously won the game against the Bron Broncos. But there's context to the matter. What's up, Eddie? Oh uh, no! I'm just looking at the weather. It looks like it's gonna rain at Monday night. Oh, and it's and it's and it's around 60 degrees. So Derek Carr, sorry, buddy. <laughs> well, the best part about that is the Chiefs can have a replica of what they just did against Tampa Bay if they have to run the ball. Yeah. Because you saw them bowling. Oh, they're, they're gonna try to run the ball. Seven. They're gonna run the ball, and you saw the success that they Chiefs lost been getting on the, best on the ground. Lineman. Three of the four games this season. Yeah. Week one they killed on the ground. Week three and four they've done really well on the ground. So yeah. I. Guys, I think that that's what you're going to see. Or, I'm sorry, week two and four. You're going to see the Chiefs establish a run game regardless of the weather, honestly. But that, just, that to me, incentivizes it even more. I think that you're going to see that. But here's the other thing. And I'm going to stick with this even though the weather part of it because I think Patrick says I could sling it at anything. And I believe him because I've seen him do it in person. Oh, rain games are fun, man. This is my favorite thing. And I'm going to take credit for this one. I'm going to, I'm going to pat, pat myself on the back on this one. So I was watching Monday Night Football last week. And I was listening to Troy Aikman talk. <laughs> And I, I thought about it. I'm like, you know, Troy's going to be in Kansas City, and I was playing some stuff back in my head. I'm like, yeah, I remember when he was talking about that. You know, let me know when Patrick Mahomes has 33% of my rings, and then Patrick does it that same season and gets 33% of his rings. I started thinking. I was like, you know what? Let me – because I'm, I'm a stat freak. I started looking some shit up. I was like, man, I know Patrick's got to be closing in on Troy on some of these records or in some all-time rings. 
And what do you know? Patrick Mahomes is going into Monday Night Football trailing Troy Aikman all-time in touchdowns by four touchdowns. Three. No, it's four. It, he, to pass him. To, to pass, pass him, him is yes. four. To tie yes. is three. That's what I'm saying. To pass him, it's four so touchdowns. So he's at least going to tie, most so likely. Trailing three. Yes, trailing three. I'm sorry. Yeah, trailing three to tie to surpass him is four. And so I put out there on Twitter, I was like, Troy Aikman has to come to Kansas City and watch Patrick Mahomes pass him in passing touchdowns all time for 76 all time. <laughs> Guys, it's going to happen. I'm putting it out there right now. Patrick Mahomes is going to pass Troy Aikman for 76 all-time and all-time passing touchdowns this week. And I don't know how they're going to do it because, again, I, I do think the Chiefs are going to run the ball plenty in this game. But I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have a massive game. I think Because you've seen it. He has obliterated the Raiders in his career. Obliterated throughout the time. Even in the one loss he had against them, they, the Chiefs put up 32 points. Our defense was so bad that it was, day. And, and, and Patrick Mahomes should have had another touchdown in the game unless they call that bullshit yeah. assimilate uh, uh, holding, holding call. Yep. He threw that ball perfectly to Tyreek Hill for like a 60-yard touchdown. So even with that, the Chiefs should have had 38, Amari 39 Cooper points. Amari Cooper was burning us, though, that day. I, that's what I'm saying, is that burning Patrick Mahomes us. is going to have four-plus touchdowns in this game, guys. I'm telling you right now, they may get, they may run the ball a lot, but in goal-line plays, I think Jody Ford's is going to get another touchdown. I think Trey, I think Juju Smith-Schuster has his first touchdown of the season this week. I'm telling you right now, this is going to be an air show. Patrick Mahomes is going to put up a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns in this game. I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs have over 500 yards of offense in this game because the Raiders have no counter. They have zero counter. Yeah, there's nothing you can't can stop the Chiefs. If you can do that against the Bucks on the road, imagine what the Chiefs are going to do at home on Monday Night Football against a team that they're not taking lightly. Guys, I'm telling you right now, I'm trying to keep this as brief as possible because I want to hear you guys as well. There's really not much to take away from this one. I think the Chiefs are going to go out there, beat the Christ out of the Raiders really quick, and then run the ball and coast to, the, to a very, very big victory and then get ready for the Bills on a short week. Yeah, the the quote-unquote trap, trap, trap game and the ugly loss scenario uh, – is already out of the way. The, the Colts game, whether we want to call it a trap game or not, we beat ourselves in that game. That game only motivated us to not do that again. Obviously, that was a poor performance all the way around. It was it was set up by terrible momentum from the jump with the special teams. Just every 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 good team, every great team has moments like that where it's like we've seen the great Tom Brady games uh, uh, where this the, the defense let him down or at some point or or the special teams blew it or something like that. Uh, or we've seen Peyton Manning have great games and it was blew the game was blown by another. You know something he out outside of his control. This momentum is a is, is a massive thing in sports in general, especially in football, man. Um, when you can only play one side of the ball, but this game is just different. We we the players in the locker room, regardless if you think it's a rivalry or not, these these players I still believe get up for these games. And Patrick Mahomes made it very clear at the end of that, like I said, the franchise episode at the very end when they're when they're in that the, they're huddling up and they're doing their victory uh, um resp- their victory huddle in the in the locker room there at the end. He says, you know who we got coming next week. Yeah. Patrick likes putting it on the Raiders, bro. Especially after they had the audacity to, to after their one win within a, a decade plus of actually having a legitimate win in Arrowhead, they they decided to circle our stadium in their, in their bus. I think that something like that, I think, just sits in the pit of the stomach of Patrick Mahomes. And I don't think he's ever going to let that go. And I think that those kind of things are what drive him. He's just such a competitor. He doesn't ever want, he doesn't ever want to experience that feeling again. You know what I mean? So uh, I just think this this is one of the I think I think he still gets up for the Raiders. I think it's very personal for him, um, and he's bought into the the fan the fan base rivalry that is because in, in in the X's and O's in the actual game the reality of the situation here there's not a real rivalry here. There's never been a real challenge from the Raiders for all being honest in a long long time. Um, 
but within the fan base, like you said, within this in the seats, this is something that me knowing a lot of Raiders fans growing up, this has always been something that's very personal to me as well. So I get, I still very much get up for Raider Week. Um, I do think this is a slaughter. It may seem close, I think, to to begin with, because I, have, I do respect the playmakers that they do have, and I think Derek Carr is a, is a is a good quarterback. Um, and I and they got they definitely have weapons. Waller is a scary player. Uh, Devontae Adams is a, is a special all time uh, talent. So I I think they will have some points, and it'll be semi close. But I think once that third quarter starts off, I think that's when we put this game away. I wish we would jump up early. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think we we it's a fairly competitive first half, but I think we 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 take off in the second half when we just absolutely put it on them. Um, because I, I I do think they'll have a similar a fairly good game plan to start off, but there's just no stopping our offense as far as what they have defensively to, to counter it. Um, so I hope I hoped uh, 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 pay, or, uh, um, Patrick Mahomes passes um, uh, Troy, Aikman. Troy Aikman in that in that, that game. That'd be some pretty good poetry for the books. Uh, I would appreciate that. Uh, four While touchdowns. Troy calls the game. Yeah, but I, um, yeah, I, I do. I think uh, I think Clyde should be able to eat. I don't think there's much their defensive and the defensive front is is kind of uh, smoke and mirrors. If we're being honest, um, outside of Max Crosby, they haven't been able to produce produce much. Uh, and they had a regardless of how bad we think the Broncos were, that was a competitive game. You know what I mean? And they ran all over the Broncos, but it was still very much a competitive game. The Broncos were still in that game for the majority of it, and they're terrible. Right, they're yeah. terrible. So I'm not, I'm not expecting much of a challenge from the Raiders. Um, I think it might be competitive in the first quarter, first quarter and a half. But I think after that, after we hit our stride and, and we carry over the momentum that we had coming from the Bucks game, I think we just annihilate these guys, as per, per usual. I'm just looking at online. It says Kansas City leads the all-time series in the rivalry <laughs> with a 70-54-2 record. So yeah, how many of those? How many of those rivalry? How the Chiefs have a winning record. Rivalry. The Chiefs have a winning record against every team in the AFC West. How many? How many of those fifty-four victories the Raiders have in the last six, seven years? Rivalry. They have to Four. say it's a rivalry because it's it's rivalry. within the division. They have to label it that, but it's like the Packers and Bears. You know, they're a rivalry compared to you know as, as far as the fans go. But uh, that one's even more just dis- to, disparaging. Just to put this out here as well, um, we all know that we all know that Russell, we all know that Russell Wilson's been awful this season, right? Bad. Okay, awful. Okay, against this Raiders defense in Las Vegas, Russell Wilson completed sixty eight percent of his passes, had two touchdowns with a one twenty five quarterback rating against that defense. I'm saying, man, that was a, it was a competitive game. That's what I'm saying. They put up twenty three <laughs> points on this Ravens defense, and you yeah. people can try to convince themselves that this is going to be a close game. I do think Devontae Adams eats though. I just think I think number one receivers has kind of been eating I, on us. I mean, I guess because of the the whole rivalry thing, everybody thinks it's going to be close. You better <laughs> fucking stop with this rivalry <laughs> bullshit, dude. The only, the only, the only games, the only games I, I, I no, in, the, but, in this division I give rivalry to is the Chargers because they've been dog fights every time the last few weeks, few years. I mean, I can see it being a close game, or like you guys said, first quarter, second quarter, uh, by halftime maybe close game, tie game, whatnot. Usually, always happens that that we're, we're close enough going into the halftime, and then second half comes in. Derek Carr forgets how to play football. Raiders defense forget how to block, how to tackle. Especially if it's wet and messy, bro. Like, it, gonna... It's gonna happen, and it might be a little bit too cold for Derek Carr with yeah. the rain. I don't know if the rain's gonna be cold. If it's warm rain, 
Maybe it's so high it's a cold 60. Rain. Yeah. Are they it saying is. it's like a torrential downpour or just like kind of like no, a. No, it's a chance of rain 60%. So. Oh, so it may, it may not even rain. Yeah, it might. It, okay. I mean, 60% is quite a bit. But yeah, but I'm saying like it, it, they're not saying it's going to be like a no, it's severe not, it's thunderstorm. Not, no, it's not going to yeah, be a thunderstorm okay. or a severe downpour or anything, okay. but it's going to be rain. Okay. And, it's, it's probably going to get wet enough to where the, the field's going to be right. a little bit slippery. All I know is Nick Bolton's going to be ready for Josh Jacobs. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I do think it's going to be clo- a close game early on. I, I think I do think Patrick Mahomes is going to go off in this game. I think him against the Raiders, just it's something about the Raiders that Patrick Mahomes likes to you know just go off. It's and personal to him still, fucking man. Fucking destroy it them. And I, think, I think what this Chiefs team did is took that loss in 2020 personal. And, and ever since after that, it's just been demolishing the Raiders, especially uh, after what was it? Was it twenty twenty one where they came in and fucking they they did the little huddle? In that the, was last season in the huddle. And the Chiefs won forty eight to nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think they took that personal. I think I think to this day, I think they still hold the grudge to the, like the Chiefs, and then them hearing stories about them doing a victory lap in twenty twenty, it it's all that that the fuels that the. Uh, the players yeah. and this rivalry, you know. Yeah, and so, I will. I will say too. It doesn't only. I don't think it's just Patrick Holmes that gets up for these games. No, uh, it, I listened to the New Heights po- podcast this week with Travis Kelsey Travis and uh, his brother Jason Kelsey preview, which was great. They had Paul Rudd on there. It was an incredible episode uh, for his birthday. Um, but towards the end, they always preview their games for the Eagles and the Chiefs coming up. Travis Kelsey. He's, he he makes it very clear that he loves he loves playing the Raiders because he always goes off on them. So I think he 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 knows he's he's very aware that he he likes to just was, demolish was, them and, and give it to the, the Raiders fans more than any other fan base. I was looking at I was looking at some stats of uh, I can't remember who the defender <clears throat> he kills was them every week. Uh, but it was uh, Travis Kelsey against that player with seven targets to Travis Kelsey. He's given up seven catches on those seven targets for like a hundred and. Against the Raiders? Yard, against the Raiders. Yeah. Against Travis Kelsey. He always kills them. When he covers Travis <clears throat> Kelsey, I can't remember who that defender was. Abrams? Abrams is their safety. He tends to guard remember, Kelsey a lot. But. I can't remember who, who was uh, who was that player that was guarding uh, Kelsey. It don't matter. But but they were saying out of those seven targets, Kelsey has seven catches for over 140 That's yards. That's averaging? Yeah. Like, it's insane what Travis Kelsey does yeah. to the Raiders. He it, kills the Raiders, man. I mean, I I can I can't expect nothing less this this week, and and especially the Chiefs coming from a kind of like win that they did this past week the against momentum, the Bucks bro. Yeah. on national television. Yeah, going back to national television, this is only gonna pump up the. You know? Well, what I like about it too, it's a, it's really the worst scenario for the Raiders because. And in 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 in, 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 in the two week span, the Chiefs had two dramatic, dramatically different outputs. Yeah, yeah, right. They had that terrible game against the Colts. They don't ever want to taste that again. And they went they 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 followed that terrible performance up with an all time performance against an all time defense. And they want to keep that taste in their mouth. They want to carry on that momentum. So having both of those, and, and, you know, knowing the two different dynamics that you can go through on a football field, them carrying over that momentum from that game is just going to – I feel bad for the Raiders, bro. I really do. In this scenario, like, I think pass is going to go nuclear. Watch us be like, oh, we're going to win by, like, 20 – fucking end up winning by a field goal. Yeah. It, 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 I, I do feel like this is one of those kind of games that could potentially end well, like we that. The, we have the Bills looming next week. You know what I mean? So the, a lot yeah. of people are like, oh, are we going to be thinking about the thinking ahead? No, nah, man. That's not how Andy Reid coaches this team. Well, I don't we, know. Because if, you, if, you, if you listen to what they said when, the, when they were playing the Chargers after the Cardinals, mm-hmm. they, they said that, yeah, we got this game, but we're focusing on the Chargers. Oh, because that game was over at half. No, but, no, like, but uh, before the game even happened, because Travis oh. Kelsey said it on that podcast, on his podcast, like, 
we knew we were playing the Cardinals. Sure. But we were we were looking ahead against the Chargers. Yeah. I mean, I I, I these divisional games though, man, we get up for regardless. Yeah. Like it, it, it. Yeah. I mean, like I said, especially against the, the 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 rivalry against the Raiders. Yeah. I don't think we're worried about the Bills yet, and I, we can. I can't wait. I, to I get do to that, think. But. I do think we are preparing for the Bills, and I think we'll see a little bit of that this week. Uh. I do think that's in the back of everybody's mind. Oh, of course, uh, but but I uh, but I think that could potentially you know be a trap game for the Chiefs if they're focusing too much on the Bills next week uh, in their schedule. So we'll see we'll see what happens there. But Andy Reid doesn't lose divisional games, man. He gets up on the on these games. And he has the game plan ready to go for each one of these divisional foes. Against the Chargers. No, but very <laughs> look at the record in the AFC West, dude. There's a reason we've won however well, many. I, I did the numbers. Uh, Kelsey versus the Raiders in his career are just abysmal, but I, I narrowed it down to, to 2018 because he just he is their dad. Um, and, and, and since 2018, he has had uh, seven receptions per game for 101 yards per game with five touchdowns. Like, that's insanely productive against this team. He's going to – Kelsey's going to have another monster game this week because if you look at his season so far, like, people are, like, waiting for this inevitable drop-off. He's on pace to have one of his best seasons ever. Oh, yeah. He's, he's already got – he had a touchdown every single week. He's, he's, he's already had two 100-yard receiving games. Like, he hasn't had a bad game this season. And mm -hmm. so – I think I, I, you have to you'd have to pitch me the idea that Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, you're not going to have another goat to goat connection game because they just did it against a Bucks team that is literally built to stop them. That Bucks defense is the perfect defense to slow down Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, and they destroyed them, mm -hmm. destroyed them. So and even the game when uh, two seasons ago when the Chiefs played the Bucks in the regular season and uh, Tyreek had 269 receiving yards and three touchdowns. Even in that game, Travis Kelsey had seven receptions for 95 yards. Yep. So so at his when he's not even the focal point. He's getting the, the absolute production. In this game, he is the focal point. He is the focal point of this offense. He's going to absolutely snap in this one. I, I I would love to give the Raiders some credit, like I said, guys, but I just can't find it. I want to I want them to give me a reason. We still don't know who they are. To believe. Well, I, I know who they are. They suck. They're a terrible team. <clears throat> Josh McDaniels is a terrible coach. Derek Carr is a good but not great quarterback. Devontae Adams made a terrible decision in going there. That is the simplicity I'm of this saying, game. I think, this I, think, I think they can only get better from here, though. They've struggled so bad out the game this season. I still, I still believe in the talent that's on their team. And I just had, I hate De to imagine. Defensively, uh, I hate yeah, to imagine. Offensively, yes. I have though. a hard time imagining that you're going to get better on Monday Night Football against the Chiefs at Arrowhead. That's oh, just, no, you know but I mean, but I mean, yeah. but I mean it, that. This is a must win for the Raiders, you know, coming into, coming into <clears> Arrowhead. <clears> they got their must win game last week, but. This is a game that they know they're, they're going to have their hands full. And they can't, they can't I, go it's going to be overwhelming four. for them, man. They can go down 1-4. They have to win this game. I it's think, uh, I, I, yeah, my, 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 my score in this game. They will I, go down 1-4. I'm going to keep it very modest. I'm going to keep this very modest. I think the Chiefs keep win it. 30. I don't think the Chiefs <laughs> score 40 points. I don't think the Chiefs score 40 points in this game. I could be wrong. North of 30, though. It really depends on what the Chiefs do, but they are going to score in the high 30s. I think the Chiefs are going to have a lot of scoring success in the first couple of quarters in an Andy Reid fashion. Really takes the foot off the gas because, again, we know that the, there's a bigger game next week against the Bills that they're going to have at home as well. They want to get as healthy as possible and ready for that game as possible. 
and the Chiefs will more likely be a very healthy team going into that Bills game, let's hope so. Um, but I, I do think that the Chiefs are going to score very early, very often. <clears throat> Patrick Mahomes is going to have multiple. I think I think he's going to have four or five touchdowns, and I'll go as far as to say because he'll be one of the key players to this game for me is Travis Kelsey is going to have three touchdowns in this game. Oh, I'm going to say that right now. I think that Travis Kelsey, this season in particular, there's something special about what's going on with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey because I think, I think they also understand they only have a few more cracks at this together. We all know that, tra- that Patrick Mahomes is going nowhere anytime soon, but we also know that Travis Kelsey just turned 33 years old. He looks great, though, He looks man. great, and he will probably have another four awesome seasons of football, but we know this is still the prime of his career, and this is the tail end of his prime career because we all know that Father Time is undefeated, so eventually Travis Kelsey will slow down, and eventually he won't be a great tight end anymore, mm. but I don't think that time's yet. Yeah. I think they're still going to capitalize on the fact that they have a great connection together, and I think they're going to capitalize on this, and I think on prime time, they're going to want to show it up a little bit. I think that Travis Kelsey is going to get three of these four touchdowns that Patrick Mahomes throws on that in this game, and I think the Chiefs are going to win 38-21. to 21. <clears throat> um, I like that score. Um, I'm going to say 35-21. to, to 21. I like 21 for the Raiders. I think 21-24 points. It sounds decent because I think there's going to be some garbage times points, some garbage time points, but I think we we win at least by ten. Um, I, I don't think we jump to a hotter start as you do. I know this, this the opening script plays. I think we do score first whenever we get our first possession. I think we score, but I think I, I don't know that could definitely happen. Um, but I think I think like the third quarter is where we really take over this game and that we open that second half. I think if we win the coin toss, we'll defer, let them get their first crack at it. I think the it'll seem competitive in the beginning, but it'll be a kind of a mirage. Uh, uh, a facade, if you will, the, the way the game is going, uh, it'll seem more competitive than it is. And I think the third quarter, we just absolutely just put the pedal to the metal and to take this game over. Um, I think Pat throws three, and I think Clyde gets another one. Uh, Clyde or Pacheco? I think Pacheco has a good chance to score this week if we're up like by ten. And we let just to just turn on the Pacheco show because we we gave him a lot of good run. He performed very well. And I think he's deserving of going to get one. Uh, I would love to see him get a uh, um, you know go get a, his, uh, his touchdown. Um, I would love to see a uh, receiver get a touchdown. That'd be cool. Um, but yeah, I think I think this is a I think this is an easy win for the Chiefs. And I hate to like make it sound like it take light of any divisional foe, but this just is a bad situation for the Raiders. And the Chiefs are rolling, and Patrick's very confident, um, and a, a, a confident Patrick Mahomes out there just making plays, and especially for O line plays the way they did last week against this lackluster defensive line that's been very underwhelming outside of Max Crosby. Pat's gonna go out there and have a field day if they give him any if they give him two three seconds to make plays and he's out he's escaping the pocket and any any kind of pressure they get he's gonna go out there and have a field day man so I want to see a big Juju game that's what I really really want to see I want to see Juju just get off yeah I think he has that other touchdown from Patrick I, yeah I Travis I, gets three of them and then I Juju need to see Juju board. have a hundred plus and a touchdown here I I need that I need Juju to have a big game because we haven't had a big receiver game yet we just haven't had any big receiver games yet um, I think Sky Moore is getting more and more uh, and I want to talk about that here in a little bit I wanted to bring up a point here but I think Sky Moore gets more more and more involved in this offense. I hope he gets some more crack uh, addicts. I think he's incredible with the ball in his hands. Um, so, yeah, I think the Chiefs win handily, man. Yeah, I got the Chiefs The Chiefs winning 31-21. I think we all have. We all got 21, okay. Uh, I, I do feel like uh, a lot of those 21 points for the Raiders are going to come late in the in the third, fourth quarter. Uh, those those kind of games where the Chiefs, you know, take that foot off the pedal. Yeah. Just kind of cruise to, to, uh, to end the game. Especially focusing on on to next week, that's going to be a tough, tough game for them. They're playing essentially for the one seed, you know, uh, next week. So, yeah, I do feel like that the Chiefs are going to get up, up and early, just scoring and scoring after score, and then they'll eventually kind of slow down. The the Raiders will take over and and time possession and and all that stuff, you know, running the ball, running the clock. 
we'll just let them do what they. And, and the Raiders' offense this season, although they are they have skilled position players out the ass, they have a lot of good skill players. Uh, they've been extremely underwhelming. Uh, yeah. they, their first game, they had 19. The next game, they had 23. The next game, they had 22. And then they had the 32 against the Broncos. But I think that has more to do with the Broncos than the Raiders. I think the Broncos... Well, they had a really good game plan. Yeah, they, I'll give them credit they for They ran all saying, over them. I think it had more to do with the fact the Broncos were just a very <clears throat> overrated defense. People were like, oh my God, they're top five defense. Yeah, but when you go against a murderer's row of Jimmy Garoppolo, Davis Mills, and Geno Smith... You probably should look good, you know, yeah. especially when two of those games were at, at your house. I, and Jimmy Garoppolo, to his defense, he was that was his first start of the season, so he was probably rusty as hell. He wasn't practicing with the team for the majority of training camp, so he was probably rusty as hell. And at, at, at one point in that game, Jimmy Garoppolo scored more points for the Broncos than Russell Wilson Self did. So, himself, yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'll leave that one. But I, I just again, I, <clears throat> these teams are going in two very different directions. Uh, and the and the Chiefs are looking at ascending for more Super Bowls, where the Raiders are just trying to find, them. like Trevor said, they're just trying to find who they are. Yeah, I, you you don't get right in games like this when you're that kind of team. This isn't the kind of game where you can go. I think this is going to be very similar when it comes to the energy and the vibe, as when we saw the Bills just annihilate the Titans on Monday Night Football. It was yeah, it was Monday Night Football again. Yeah. Week two, I think it was Josh Allen's best game of the season to yeah. this point. It was not even close. I think it's very similar to that. Where I think Patrick Mahomes may, may not even play in the fourth quarter because it's just that out of hand. It just it's just an absolute domination. Where knowing one Pat, he'll want better. he'll want to be out there for every yeah, single exactly. second. And sure, every single I, second. I just think the Chiefs are like, look, we got the Bills next week. You, yeah. you put four touchdowns and three hundred sixty three <clears throat> yards out there. Damage done. Let's yeah. it'll do pig. Titans uh, from Adam Schefter. Titans have placed uh, wide receiver Traylon Burks on IR. Damn. He's now out for a minimum it's of the four Bobby Tree show. Yeah, damn, that, that sucks. Is. That sucks bad. Key players uh, in this game. I'll go ahead and start this one off. Uh, I said last week, and I felt like I nailed this one. I said Andy Reid was going to be a key figure in this one. He got his team focused and ready to go. Coaching staff absolutely had the Chiefs clicking on all Special cylinders. Teams, yep. This week, I, I'm going to I'm going to again I'm going to go with uh, the. I'm kind of cheating the system here, but I'm going to say it's the the Patrick Mahomes Travis Kelsey connection uh, for one. I think that, like I said, I think they're both going to have monster games of this one. I think Patrick's going to throw well over 350 yards, four touchdowns. Travis Kelsey's going to get multiple touchdowns. I'll say at least two touchdowns, but I'll go out as far as say I think he gets three of them. He's never had three touchdowns in a single game, has he? I think, uh, yeah, I think he, once. Yeah, he's had it. I can look it up, but I'm, I know he's had a couple mm. couple games like that. I can't remember. Um, he's not. Travis hasn't been a big touchdown yeah, guy. Saying, he has yeah. 60 career uh, receiving touchdowns. He does have a throwing touchdown. He does have. I think. He he has yeah. one or two rushing touchdowns as well. But, yeah, he's never been a massive touchdown guy. I think he only has one season of double digits. Right. But it's consistent. It's always like five to seven to eight. Uh, but, yeah, I do think that Travis puts himself in a big, big place tonight and in this game. Uh, I also think it's because of the fact that he, his birthday was just this week. I think they're going to kind of give him an opportunity to really put some put some out there on prime time. That makes sense. So I'll, I'll say the goat-to-goat connection of, of, of Patrick Holmes and Travis Kelsey shines bright in this one. I'm going to surprise you guys on this one as my second key figure in this game, Turk Wharton. The reason why I have Turk Wharton in this game is because there's going to be so much focus on Chris Jones in this game, mm. so much focus on the edge rush, so much focus on Nick Bolton, middle, so. that Turk Wharton's going to get one-on-ones against an inferior offensive line, and Turk Wharton's going to go out there and have at least one sack in this game. Mm. And I think it's a big sack. I think it's like a strip sack where Derek, because we all know Derek loves to fumble with those little hands of his. I think that Turk Wharton has a big, big early play in this one that kind of shocks people. Like, damn, I didn't expect Turk Wharton to be a key figure in this one. I 
think that I'm going to go out on a limb because I feel like I kind of have a lob here with Patrick Holmes and Travis Kelsey. Like, of course, I think I'm going to go as far as say Turk Wharton has a big game in this one and makes an immediate impact in this game, gets the Chiefs a nice little turnover, and they get up multiple touchdowns because of it. Yeah. Um. So offensively, I'm going to, I need a Juju game, like I said before. I want to see Juju go off. I want him to be the player of the game offensively. I know this is a, a great setup for Travis Kelsey, and it probably will be Travis Kelsey that goes off in this game, uh, most likely. Um, but I want to see Juju go out there and just get some great momentum heading into this Buffalo's Bills game. Um, we really need a receiver to really go off here. And I think I think Juju's prime. This is a great spot for him to eat over the middle and up the seam. Um, he's him and him and Patrick Mahomes is, is, their their chemistry has been there and they've made some good throws and he's been really good actually after the catch, um, getting extra yards after the after the catch. He's a strong guy. Um, I need to see him score once or twice would be great. Um, but have over 100 yards receiving, you know, six to seven to eight catches. I want to see him eat. That's my guy this week. That's who I want to see. Uh, and then defensively, this is this is this is a layup for me. I just feel like this is a Nick Bolton game. I think after the great running success that they had last week against the Broncos, which was a su- surprise because that Broncos front is nasty and it's been good. But Randy Gregory going down was hurtful. Um, so with with Josh Jacobs absolutely going off and his you know his nads being pumped right now and that great performance, uh-huh. uh, multiple scores, almost damn near two hundred rushing touch uh, rushing yards. He was balling against them. I think they're going to try to implement that running game again, and I think Nick Bolton's just going to straight up say no. I think he's in, I think Nick Bolton's going to go out there and just absolutely be on just Josh Jacobs' ass. Uh, I think he's going to be all over the place. The dude always leads the, the team in tackles damn near every week, so that's not a surprise. But I think he's going to make some really big plays and some crushing tackles against Josh Jacobs uh, for a nice, pleasant surprise uh, from his end. So those are my two guys. For offense, I'm going to go MVS on this one. I think nice. this is a, a perfect game for MVS to, to go off, especially with that Raiders secondary and uh, the, the speed that MVS carries. And I think him and Patrick Mahomes this past week against the Bucks kind of showed what they can do in, yep. in, in a in a deep game. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, so I do think this is going to be a perfect perfect game for Patrick Mahomes and MVS to you know to click and and get that get that game that that we desperately want to see from the from one of these wide receivers, especially if we're running the ball well and we throw a little play action in there, yeah. bro. A deep shot yeah. to MVS. Yeah, that'd be so great. I, I do think this is an MVS kind of game. Uh, it has it written all over it. I do like that Juju pick as yeah. well. Uh, for my defensive player, I'm, I'm going to go Chris Jones. Yeah. This offensive line is is hurt, is is hurting. He's been it's so terrible, good this year, is bad. And and Chris Jones this season has just been tearing it up, putting the pressure on the quarterbacks. Yeah. And we know that Derek Carr, once you put the first pressure on him, he crumbles the rest of the game. And I do expect Chris Jones to put that pressure on Derek Carr early. Oh, early. He tends to do that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Early and. and it's gonna force, uh, you know, Derek Carr to, to 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 take the sack or to to do whatever that Derek Carr does. Well, and to your point, and to I, I think ours kind of merge when I said that the focus is gonna be so much on Chris Jones. That is the fact. But to your point, it may not matter. Yeah. <laughs> it, it may not matter. Like you can focus on the man, but he's still gonna get through you. And I he just can rack up a couple sacks. And, and Chris, let's be real. Chris Jones is in the prime of his career, prime of his life. He's at 28 years old, and he knows that there might be a chance he's not with the Chiefs next season. So he's yeah. kind of showcasing a little bit this year for his next team potentially. Or hey, Chiefs, you want to extend me, and maybe we can soften up that cap hit next year. There's a lot of options here if the yeah. Chiefs find because like we always talk about, our guy BJ Kissel always talked about how the Chiefs don't like signing guys after the age of 28. Mm-hmm. There have to be exceptions to the rule. We knew that Travis Kelsey was that, right? Joe Tooney was obviously that coming in here in Kansas City. Maybe Chris Jones will be that. And if he goes out there and has a two or two or three sack game against the Raiders in prime time, 
the Chiefs may have to be like, fuck, dude, we're going to have to pay him. We're going to have to pay him because he's, he's still at the top of his game. Like, I do it now. There's no slowing down with Chris Jones. He looks as great as he did five years ago. Yeah, he looks He good. looks as great as he did in 2017. Maybe the sack totals aren't there right now when he had, I think he had 15 and a half but sacks batted balls and pressures. He, yes, he's so effective. So, Eddie, you might nail it on that one. Trevor, you, I hope you do too because I want to see that Juju game as well because I yes. want to see, selfishly, I want to see Juju here for the next four or five yes, years. I love Juju. Man. I think he's yeah. a great fit here. It is, And you saw in the Cardinals game where he started getting really into that rhythm. Well, even last I think he had a couple that, good yeah. plays, man. I think yeah. he'll get into that one as well. That was actually a point I was going to make about the Colts game, about the explosive plays, missing Tyreek Hill. I mean, before on the drive that Travis Kelsey missed the touchdown, dropped the touchdown, Juju had a 53-yard reception yeah. in that game. And only like 11 of those yards were Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball. That's what I'm saying. He's so been he really created. good after the yeah. catch. Yeah, so he's I think, strong, man. I hope you guys are right, honestly, man. I hope I'm wrong completely. And, MV, and Juju has a couple touchdowns. MVS has a bowler game, and Chris Jones goes off. I, yeah. That's what I'm hoping for as well. Um, I, I do want to move, uh, before we get to hold this L... I do want to get to just a couple matchups here when it comes to uh, when it comes to this week five slate. Uh, I want to start with the Bills hosting the Steelers. Now this shouldn't be a game where we sit here and decide, okay, who's going to win this one? The Bills should one hundred percent win this game, which is why this game does concern me. The Bills are clearly the better team. Josh Allen is clearly the better quarterback. Yeah. But for some damn reason, when it comes to the Bills and teams that they should just annihilate, it doesn't always happen. And right now, as it currently stands, uh, Vegas has the Bills as a 14-point favorite at home. They should win by 14 points. I don't think they will. I don't think this game is going to be close to the end of the game, but I do believe the Steelers are going to make Josh Allen work. I do. I think the Steelers are going to make him work. And I think, because you've also seen it, as great as Josh Allen is, I think he's the second-best quarterback in the league. He hasn't been good for about two weeks. I know he had 400 yards against the Dolphins. He threw the ball 63 times. Yeah. You better have 400 yards and have yeah. if you throw the ball over 60 times in a game. And he still wasn't good in that game. There were multiple times he was passing uh, bounce passes to his his wide receivers in that game on the goal line that should have won them the game. They had 19 points and he threw the ball 63 times. Like Josh Allen has not been that Titans game. He was like a god. He looked like against the Patriots in the playoffs last and year. He Rams, looked like against the Rams us. Game. He looked like the Chiefs divisional game. Yeah. He was otherworldly. But even in that Rams game, he had multiple turnovers. Yeah, but he was still balling. He was up. still he was still yeah. good. He, yeah. I won't say he was good in that game. He was great. He was an A plus 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 against. He's the had Titans. a lot of turnover worthy plays yeah. this year. Now, a lot. He's looked, he has not looked as good as I was. Even against the Ravens, they won the game. He had two hundred thirteen. Oh, they had, a, they had to come back. They were down the whole game. Right. Yeah. They put yeah. up twenty three points. The Ravens like, okay, well, this yeah. is what we do. We and let you come back. Against, that was against the single worst pass defense yeah. in the league. Ravens, man. That, that Ravens stat where they've only trailed by fourteen seconds is mind blowing. Awful for two and a half. Three quarters. He was yeah. awful. Yeah, he wasn't even just bad. He was awful. And so yeah. the Steelers defense is better than that Ravens defense. I think Minka. I think Minka Fitzpatrick is going to pick him off in this one, man. I think Minka. Minka might be the best safety in He's football. He's so good. Like man. legitimately best safety in but football. But he needs. They need to generate pressure up front on Josh yeah. Allen, though. That's and, the thing. Well, that's the thing about Josh Allen though is that sometimes he creates his own pressure. True. And he's been getting hit like crazy this season. They better keep him ca careful because the Steelers are a pissed off bunch right now. Mm -hmm. They've completely underachieved. You can see them take a few nice little hits on him this in this week. I'm not saying I want to see him get hurt. I'm yeah. saying watch out because he's been taking a lot of punishment. The Bills will win this game, but I do think the Steelers cover. Yes, yeah, so if you're betting, I would take the points yes. for the, for the yes. Steelers. Yeah, for sure. I'm with you on that. Uh, this is this is definitely a blow-up spot for the Bills, it seems. It definitely should be because uh, the Steelers just lost to the Jets. Um, so that was rough at home. My God, I never thought I'd see Mike Tomlin lose to the Jets at home. With Zach Wilson making his first appearance this season, and that he wasn't was even good. That was tough to. Yeah, he wasn't good to the last couple drives. He found Corey Davis on a couple of big plays, and it was pretty impressive throws. But that was rough. That was rough to digest as a Steelers fan. I can only imagine. Um, I like Kenny Pickett though. I think the Pickett to Pickens 
duo could be something here. I think they could kind of get something going because with the, the, the decimated secondary of the Bills right now, they're still suffering some injuries, still missing some key players, and one of them's out for the year. Um, unless unless uh, uh, um, you know, unless that defensive line from the, the Bills actually wrecks this game, which they could. They can get out because that offensive line for the Steelers is still not great. But I like the athleticism of uh, Kenny Pickett. I think he's I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be a good player for them. Um, not a great player ever, really, I don't believe. But I think he's a good, solid quarterback, and I think he can put up some points to be competitive in this game. It really comes down to this matchup. really comes down to how the Steelers' defense uh, reacts to the offense of the Bills yeah. because they're getting everybody back. Gabe Davis is back. Uh, Stephon Diggs is healthier at this point. Um, and they, they've, been, they've been utilized. Poyer's banged up. Dane well, I was just saying, the offense, though. So, oh, so, sorry, as far I'll, as the yeah. offense, of the offense of the Bills, like it, yeah. this, this game really comes down That's to how the, how the Steelers react yeah. to. And I mean, we I know the Steelers beat them last year, yeah. um, but this is a much different Steelers team right now. There are a lot of things, there are a lot of new faces and names. Um, but I I like I, I mean the Steelers are loaded offensively with weapons. I mean they got a lot of Najee Harris could definitely go have himself a game. Finally, he's been pretty bad this year so far. Um, but I want to see what I like the athleticism of uh, of Kenny Pickett. He, I think he rushed two touchdowns last week. He yeah. had three picks. Uh, the only three incompletions and three of those incompletions were picks. Well, and, and to his defense, real but quick, they were they were all his fault. Yeah, two of them fir- were. That first pick was yeah. actually on Chase Claypool. Right, it was Chase Claypool didn't go up and get that ball. That and was the a last one was a hail mary to yeah. like a fuck it chuck it kind of game. Chase Claypool, yeah. that, he didn't fight for that ball. That right. was really bad effort on him. He was significantly better than that defense. Yeah, Pickett looked pretty good to me. Right, that's what I'm saying. So if he has another week of preparation, doesn't get thrown into a game, you know, I know it's the Bills and they're a tough one to prepare for, um, especially defensively. But I think. Pickett and Pickens could go out there have a little because they had, they had that connection because they practice a lot. They can have they're a both pick, they're both Nick. Well, they're both the rookies, you know what I mean? So yeah, <laughs> I think it'll be a little more competitive than the, yeah. the, than the fourteen they points that they're laying covered. on. That's, I think that's disrespectful. That's rough. If this was a primetime game, because the Bills, you know, they get up for those primetime games at home, yeah. and the crowd just be absolutely nuts. But it's not. It's a noon game. It just has that the, feeling. The pride of Mike Tomlin, I just can't see yeah. him go out there and just laying down. Yeah, I feel like this is one of those games. Where, like we're watching red zone, we're like. Dude, it's fourteen to twelve right now. Like, what the hell? KU just took the lead. Just letting you guys know. Just, nice, very nice to, to hear. Very just nice to hear. Touchdown. Let's go. Very baby. nice to hear. Let's go. Uh, I, I heard that Jalen Daniels didn't come out with the team though uh, at the end of the beginning of the season. I'm not half. even sure. Okay. Who the, yeah, I don't yeah. even know who the quarterback is right now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Jay Bean. Okay, he's six Get for Bean. He's six for seven, ninety-nine yards, two touchdowns. Let's, Let's go. Take it. We'll take it. Lance Leipold, get this victory, bub. That system's working. Uh, but yeah, well, uh, that's what I'm saying. I think when we watch Red Zone, we're gonna look at this game and be like. How is this a two-point game going into the third quarter? What yeah. what the hell is going on in Buffalo? I think that's what's going to happen in that one. Um, Eddie, I'm just, uh, yeah. No, I, I, I do think that the Buffalo, this game, they should literally blow it. Kind of like oh, yeah. the Chiefs against the Raiders, they should blow it out the park. Yeah. Uh, but this, for some reason, the Steelers' defense went there last year and just made the living hell for... for uh, Josh was awful in yeah. that game. But is it a trap game? <laughs> It could be for the Bills. It really could be. It really like, could be for the I'm Bills. I'm picking the Bills, but yeah. Uh, the, for some reason, the Bills play really bad against really bad teams. Mm-hmm. Or uh, underachieving teams. They play yeah. down to the yeah. level sometimes, yeah. 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 And, and this Steelers team is it's a bad team. They're, yeah, they're like, bad. It's, it's a bad team. They're 1-3. They're this is potentially Mike Tomlin's first season uh, uh, we're gonna have a losing record. record this year. Yeah. I'm not. Uh, I'm not giving up on him. Yeah, just this little sidebar. I'm not giving up on the. I think because I believe it. Like Trevor, you said about Kenny Pickett. I believe in the kid. Yeah. And if they get any type of offense because uh, they had four touchdowns going into last week's game before he got he, injured he had, or before he got in. He had two touchdowns already. So I, I, I like him. I like yeah. him. But I mean that defense is just decimated, man. Yeah, and, and that offensive line is terrible. But yeah, yeah, they, they suck. It, they do suck. But off. but that's why they put Pickett in there because he's a little bit more mobile than Trubisky yeah. was will, will, and, willing to be. And if the mo- if the moment's not too big for Pickett, he's got weapons. I'm just saying. Can throw a pick his first 
Yeah, but it was a 50-50 ball that Chase Claypool didn't get. He I put it out there to be, to be caught, but it was Chase right tipped on it. Yeah, yeah, because Chase had uh, the ball's right there for him, and he well, just I mean, like, kind of took a dive. And he got, back he got dive. thrown into a game where they were trailing. Yeah. Like you know, Mitchell's yeah. being Mitchell's playing terrible, and then you just get thrown into a game with no preparation of being the guy. It's that's that's yeah, a he lot. He still scored two touchdowns, right? Rushing touchdowns. Yeah. This is, I think, for the Bills, a definition of a trap game for them. Yes. Because they did beat them in Buffalo last year. How so, amazing would it be to see Pickett go out there and out-duel Josh Oh, my God. <laughs> That'd be the number one story of the week. That'd bro, be the number the one story of the week. have weapons, bro. They got Deontay Johnson, Claypool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And I know ESPN doesn't like to talk about Josh Allen's inefficiencies. They like to just you know pump this guy up as the yeah. white knight. But if, if they found a way to beat the Bills in Buffalo again for a consecutive year, that's got to be the headline of the, of the entire story. I know Cowboys play the Rams, yeah. but... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the, another AFC matchup I want to get to, uh, the Chargers are visiting the Browns. Um, I do believe the Chargers on paper are the better team, but that's what we always talk about is the Chargers being the best team in football on paper, and that just always seems to be something that is is, is a disappointment. Chargers coming into this game as road favorites. It's a pick em, essentially. It's one and a half points uh, on the spread. The, the over-under is 46 and a half. Um, the Browns are going to win this game. And the reason why is because the Browns are actually much better offensively than people want to give them credit. They've actually been a very good offense this season, considering the fact that they don't have their starting quarterback. Jacoby Brissett's actually been very decent this season, and they have the best run game in football. The, the Browns have an unbelievable one, too. We already know that. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are just unbelievably good. And Jacoby Brissett, again, has been throwing the ball decently well this season. I think they've been disappointing because their defense hasn't been good as people anticipated them to be. But when you don't have Miles Garrett last week, that's going to happen. Miles Garrett is maybe the best defensive player in the game. They get him back this week, supposedly. He's been practicing. It looks like Miles Garrett might give it a go, and I think that's going to be the deciding factor because the Chargers offensive line has been decimated. They've been banged up. Corey Lindsley's back, but is how much back is he really? Yeah. That knee injury's still really uh, messing with him. And let's be real, guys. The Chargers have a, a horrific matchup in this game if you really think about it. The Chargers can't run the ball. Outside of one game, they've been one of the worst teams in the in the, in the NFL at running the ball. And they have, again, for the second consecutive year, one of the worst rush defenses. Right. So I think the Browns are going to play a possession game here and just limit Justin Herbert's ability because J- Justin Herbert's going to get his. We all know this guy can just dice up any defense on any given Sunday. But they're going to limit that ability by running the ball and playing the chain game or there's possession by possession slowing the game down. I think this is going to be a lower scoring game. Huh? Yeah, I think I think Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt both are going to have monster games, and I think they're going to win a really ugly like twenty-three to seventeen kind of game, mm-hmm. limiting the Chargers' ability to score points. I think I take the the under on the over under. I take the obviously the Browns covering the spread, and I think the Browns win a very ugly home victory in this one against the Chargers. Yeah, this one was tough for me to pick who I wanted to win. I think the Chargers win. Um, because I, I just don't believe that Browns defense has been very underwhelming this year. The secondary has been allowing a lot of uh, a lot of yards, and, and I think this Mike Williams is a terrible matchup for them. I think he's going to go out there and go off. And then the fact that just coming off that big blow up game from Austin Eckler, getting him going in the passing game, still haven't been able to run the ball very well because their their run blocking has just been terrible. Um, but they all are they are also terrible against the opposing rushing uh, uh, offenses. Um, their defense cannot stop the run at all, and that's a problem when uh, you know the Browns can go out there and 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 you know, just control the clock and run with Nick Chubb and and, and Hunt. That's definitely a problem, and yeah. it's and it's in it's in Cleveland. Um, but I just think I just I think Herbert is is playing well enough to where I, I'm just going to pick the better quarterback here to get it done. And and, and um, I still think I still think the Chargers are the better team in my mind for sure. Uh, I think we all know that, but uh, I would I, I think Stefanski is obviously the better coach in this scenario. 
Um, but I'm, I'm taking the talent of Justin Herbert to, to find a way to win this game. Uh, his connection with Mike Williams has been pretty good this year. They've been dominating, and I, they do not have the corners to uh, to cover him at all. And I think he has a big game. And Austin Eckler eating in the in the, the check down game, I think, as well is a problem uh, for that Browns defense. Um, I know they're getting uh, Garrett back, um, but to me, he yeah, he's been a little underwhelming this year as well. Um, getting after the quarterback and collecting sacks, and uh, I mean, it could take one good hit on on Herbert to to hurt him a little more and extend that pain. That's but, something I think a lot of people are forgetting. For sure, he's but, still but battling. He, back. But he he was still delivering some really good throws last week. Granted, it was against a you bad team. Jaguars. Of he course, had some good throws. Well, yeah, not a bad team, but a, a secondary that has been allowing their their more their strength is more rush defense. Yeah, and that's why Austin Eckler ate because they they still weren't able to run the ball well. But Austin Eckler was getting those checkdowns, and he's so good at those getting yards up to the catch. Um, that's how he blew up um but i i, I just think this i think it's gonna be a close game through from start to finish but i think um i think it comes down to a final possession of the chargers and i think uh, uh, herbert goes out there and finds a way to win by by three i said they win by three yeah this is gonna be a close game this is gonna be an ugly game i think overall yeah i, I think this is gonna be just a, a brawl I, I think it's gonna come down to who, who can stay the healthiest in this game <laughs> that's that's a fair point yeah is Keenan Allen back this week? Or? No, no, he's missing again. Yeah, he's out again. He's missing that's a, again. That's a that's a that, big, that hamstring is way worse than I think people uh, initial initially thought. That's a big loss for uh, for the for the Chargers. Oh, yeah. We've seen it the past few weeks. They've struggled without Keenan Allen. And Mike Williams is good, but he ain't a wide receiver. One. Exactly. So he's been balling, man. If 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 the Browns just go out there and run the ball like you said with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, I, I think this is a perfect game for them to kind of keep. Forget Joey Bosa's not playing again. Yeah, and to, so, to, to, oh, he's to out for that, you know, six yeah, to eight weeks. Yeah. yeah, to keep that ball away from Justin Herbert because Justin Herbert's going to get his. Right, he's going to cook regardless of who's who's he playing. Right. Uh, so I think I think the best game plan for the Browns this week is to you know just run the ball. And, that's the game plan every week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but but I but I think that the Chargers are going to be good enough to. To, to, to outlast what the Browns are going to give them. Yeah. I think it's going to be a very, very close game. I'm with Trevor, maybe maybe three points, six points. It's going to be a very close game, a one-possession uh, one, one game. Uh, when it comes down to the last drive. Yeah, so, Wouldn't you guys agree, though, so that we'll if, it's, if it's an ugly one-possession game that actually favors the Browns being at home and being more of a team that is able to play those types of games better yeah. than the Chargers? Because mm-hmm. the Chargers are all Justin Herbert, whereas the Browns can rely on the run game sure. the short you know, third my, ones. Yeah, my scenario comes down to it being that, yeah. but the, the, the ball is in the hands of Herbert to, to finish the game. Oh, and sure. I, th- I think he, he has I'd enough in him Herbert to go down, you still have down the field. Garrett, yeah. if, uh, that you're facing off right. with... So. I just think that the inefficiencies with the Chargers having skill players out like Keenan Allen, Joey Bosa, guys like that, and other dudes banged up, I think that is gonna that's gonna that's gonna hurt them far more than it's not. I will not be and surprised it, if the Browns yeah. win this game in a Smash Mouth no. type of game like this in Cleveland. Jacoby Brissett playing good football. He's been the play, okay. He's been good for what he is. He was good against the Steelers. That was exactly. his best game for sure. The play action being a factor for them because they know that the Chargers are gonna have to respect the hell out of the Browns' rush attack. The play action working to their favor. I think that Amari Cooper can have a big game in this one as well. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming the Browns are going to go out there and play a good football game is what I'm saying. And it's going to be an ugly style game. And again, the Chargers don't like to play ugly. Because if the Chargers have to play ugly football, they usually lose. Because it was an ugly game against the Chiefs, and what happened? 
They lost. That's what I'm saying. The Chargers, they're the type of team that want to get out there and air the ball out and look good, flashy, want to play an efficient type of offense, an air raid type of offense because yeah. they don't like to run the ball. So if it has to get ugly, they're going to have to ride on the run, the run game, and it's non-existent because as good as Austin Eckler is, more times than not, he's more effective in the pass game than he is in the run game. Yeah. So I just I just don't trust their run game in this one, and I do trust the Browns. That's why I have them winning a close, ugly game. But two more games I want to get to, and then we're, we're going to be uh, wrapping this bad boy up. Uh, it's actually an NFC matchup, and I just want to put it out there because I I think that this is not really a bold game, uh, a bold statement to make, but uh, the Eagles are going and visiting the Cardinals, and I think this is a game that Jalen Hurts really puts himself in the MVP upper echelon if he hasn't already, because I think he's had an unbelievable season to this point. I think the Eagles are going to win this game by 20-plus on the road against the Cardinals. I think Jalen Hurd has five touchdowns in this they're game. Only, they're only a five-and-a-half favorite. I, well, yeah, that's actually big for a road game, though. That is a big... Five-and-a-half on the road is always a big I'm one. I'm just saying, in context with how good the Eagles have been, how bad the yes. Cardinals have been. I, mean, I think I think the Cardinals score over 45 points. You can, the you Eagles can tease, score 45 you can points like a, in this game. Yeah, you can tease I, like a 10-point yeah, win. I think Jalen Hurts throws uh, three touchdowns and rushes for two. I think Jalen Hurts has his best game of the season. He's already been stellar. Mm. And I think this is the game where he really puts himself where they're like, is it Mahomes and, and, and Hurts? Is it Lamar and Hurts? Is it Josh Allen and Hurts? Regardless of who the other guy is, it's going to be his name next to them. I really think going into Monday, going into Tuesday, national media, they're talking about Jalen Hurts having a five-touchdown game on the road and then winning 45-26. to 26. That's what I think that we're going to talk about in this one, or 45-24, because I think they're going to win by 20-plus. That's the only reason I put that game out there. I don't know if you guys have thoughts on this one or not. It's kind of a boring match of my eyes, because I don't really think the Cardinals are a very good team at all. They're going to get DeAndre Hopkins back next week, which would have made this game better if they had gotten back this week, but I just think that the Cardinals are just right now kind of a lost team, and the Eagles are clicking on all cylinders, man. The only unbeaten team left in the league. I, I can't get with the twenty plus, but just because the the Cardinals are the are the the trash, the the garbage time kings, uh, they love to score in garbage time, and they and Kyler Murray just wings it and somehow finds ways to score in bunches towards the end of the games when they're getting destroyed. Um, so I, twenty plus is rough. To, to, for any team really to win, there haven't, there haven't really been any major blowouts outside of that Titans uh, um, um, game and the Chiefs Cardinals. Well, well, yeah, I mean, but they, <laughs> they, they still scored a lot of garbage time points to make it look like closer 21. than it was. They scored twenty one points. Yeah, no, but, but I mean, they were within. Uh, they could. I definitely picking the Eagles in this game, not a question. Um, but a lot of people, a lot of betting people are are tending to kind of favor the Cardinals here uh, for this to be a first because this is the first matchup for this defense, the Eagles defense, like facing like, a true mobile quarterback. Yeah. Um, because the uh, the the um, the Jaguars blew that game against. They had a fourteen. They started fourteen and zero, and then uh, um, um, Trevor Lawrence fumbled the ball like four times. And they lost all four fumbles. That's not going to happen every time. A lot of times when you fumble the ball, t- you, there's a good chance you recover it. <clears throat> you losing all four fumbles was massive in yeah. that game. I, and the Jaguars had every reason to win that game. You start up 14-0. I think the Jags are legit, though. Oh, of course, of yeah, course. But I'm saying, but, but so to me, that was kind of a fluky loss. Yeah, I think they absolutely. had a great chance to win that game. You fumble four times. Oh, you yeah. lose all of them. I agree. You know what I mean? So if Kyler plays a clean game, and he's moving around, and he's making it difficult for that defensive line to get after him. And she's very difficult to get to get to catch and get down. Um, it could be a better game than we yeah, think. Okay. I, I think I, so. I think this game is fairly competitive. I think Kyler actually plays a fairly good game in this one. Hollywood Brown is a speedster, and he has yet to drop a ball this year, which was his problem back with the uh, Lamar. He was dropping too many so he's passes. Due. Well, <laughs> possibly, yeah. I don't think the Eagles. I don't think the Eagles lose this in any way. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a little more competitive than a twenty-point okay. uh, victory. Sounds good, Eddie. You got any thoughts on this one? No. <laughs> there we go. Final matchup <laughs> I want to talk about this week, and then we can move on. Uh, it's actually a game I think is going to be insanely awesome. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game and a lot of fun. 
uh, is the Sunday night football matchup: the Ravens hosting the Bengals. An interesting it's game of the week. Big, for me. big time game. Yeah. Both teams are two and two. Both teams have been very disappointing to this point in different ways. The Bengals had a very rough start to the season. The Ravens somehow find ways to lose games that they've been holding the lead for everything but nine seconds. And the Bengals beat their ass last year. And the Bengals whooped them both times. I will say yeah. though, the Ravens had like eleven starters on IR in those sure. matchups. So I think the the Burrow Bengals just kind of took care of business in the way they wanted to. Yeah. This is why I'm picking the Ravens though because not only does John Harbaugh want to make a statement against a team that just annihilated them both times last season where I think Burrow had like 950 passing yards in those two games combined and like six touchdowns it's also the fact that the Ravens guys you know that they've lost five straight home games the Ravens have lost five straight home games that's crazy but I, I, I have to imagine at some point, man, that pride's going to kick in, and they eventually get off the schneid. Yeah, it's and get typically that... one of the toughest places to go for. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, and now their pass defense has been abysmal. But the Bengals' pass game hasn't been as good as we thought they would be this year. They've not been nearly as good. The defensive line's been pretty good. So I, what I think is going to happen is two things. I think the Bengals get right, and they start scoring points, and they have those downfield throws. J Jamar Chase finally has that big game that we've been waiting on all year. T. Higgins plays well. Joe Mixon gets involved in the pass game as well. But it doesn't matter because Lamar Jackson goes absolutely buku on that Bengals defense. Has to, has to, and he will. I think that I think that Mark Andrews, because I was expecting him a big game last week, did not at all. Yes. I think Mark Andrews has that get right game where he has a couple touchdowns in the red zone. Lamar Jackson has three or four touchdowns. This is a high scoring game. I could very well see this one being like thirty eight to thirty four, something in that that regard. The over under right now is forty eight. I think they go way over that. I think this game's in the sixties combined, and I think the, the the Ravens squeak out a very close competitive, high-scoring, fun Sunday night football game at home and break that five-game home losing streak and get back on the get back in the winning column, get back in the winning formation at 3-2. and two. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm taking the better coach and quarterback in this situation. That's Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh. Uh, uh, they can't lose this game. This is a must win for them in my mind. They don't want to, and the fact they let the let that they beat, they lost to them twice last year. They got to get the, similar to how the Chiefs needed to get that revenge on the Bucks, and they did it in a, a very elite fashion. Uh, I think Lamar is absolutely just he's been going off every week, which is frustrating, man. But they did keep blowing leads. I think they get a lead. I think they I think they managed to hold it. Um, I think it is a very high scoring game. I think both these teams. I think it's going to be. Uh, this is set up just to be an absolute shootout. Uh, both these offenses have been really good all year. Oh well. I will say the Bengals haven't, haven't really proven to me yet that I think that they're really back. Um, Joe Burrow still gets hit a lot, still has a lot of pressure on him. Um, I know they, they've recently beat the Jets in a, in a banged-up Miami team. Yeah. I really haven't seen the Bengals really impress me yet. That's what I'm saying. Year. So I, I think I, there is a chance where the the, the 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 Ravens go out here and absolutely destroy them. I think that's a scenario what happens too. But I think there is too much pride in I think there's too much talent on the Bengals to actually just go get wiped, you know, get their asses kicked. Um, so I think it will be competitive. I think it will be high scoring. Two, this is a, so much sound on this on this football field for this game. Uh, to me, it's the game of the week to watch. Uh, there's a reason it's Sunday night football. It's a, it's, it's going to be a very competitive game. Joe Burrow should have good numbers at the end of this game. Uh, Lamar Jackson is going to be nuclear in my mind. He has to. This is your defending home field man. Five in a row. I didn't even know it was five in a row. I was going to say I was going to say they can't lose two in a row because they lost at home last week. I didn't know it was five in a row. That's insane. That's that's really hard to believe for John Harbaugh right. and, and the Ravens being even when the Ravens were bad, they were still a tough team to play in. in in Baltimore. Um, so Lamar Jackson losing five in a row is rough. He cannot make it six. I think Lamar, Lamar Jackson goes out there and defends the home field, gets this victory, doesn't let that that lead dwindle away and lose it. The defense has really got to step it up, though, and, and support Lamar. They've been so bad at keeping leads and keeping people out of the, uh, the pay dirt. So 
This week, John Harbaugh for his pride, Lamar Jackson for his pride. They got to go out there and get this win. It's a tough offense to go against, tough team to play against. Uh, they had their number last year, but I think that changes this week, and I think Lamar goes out there and balls and they win. Yeah, I think this is a must win for the Ravens, but I think. Lamar's going to go out there and cook. I, I think this Bengals defense is not as, as good as uh, a lot of people may, may think. Uh, I think the, the Ravens have a very, very good opportunity to go out there and just blow them blow them out. Mm. Uh, especially after last season. The last two games, the, the two games they played against the Bengals, they uh, I believe they blew them out twice. And it wasn't even close yeah. in the, those two games. So I think this is kind of that revenge game for, for the Ravens. Obviously, after the loss last week against the Bills and the way they lost, it, they they have to win. And I think yeah. this team deserves to win. Lamar Jackson has been balling this season. Yeah. He has incredible numbers. And for him to, to not be 3-1, three, three, 4-0, it's crazy. Yeah, we talk about Jalen Hurts, but he's been better than Jalen Hurts. Well, he, just, he just doesn't have the wins. To the exactly. Ravens' defense, they absolutely blew that game against the Bills. Yes. They should have yeah. absolutely won that and game. And the Dolphins. Well, the They're up 20-3. Yeah, the the Dolphins start. one was way worse. Yeah, the offense it happened started. in one quarter. Yeah, it's, <laughs> They're it's, up 20-plus. It's like. crazy. It was, it, so, yeah, yeah. I, I think this game is, is written all over for, for the Ravens to win this game. Uh, I, I just don't think the Bengals are a good team this season. Uh, they're struggling. And I do think that the Ravens are going to capitalize on that. Well, and here's the thing why the Ravens, real quick, will have to win this game is if you look at the rest of their schedule, it doesn't get any easier. Right. So not only do they have five more divisional games throughout the rest of the schedule, they have back to back road games against the Buccaneers and the Saints. Now, the Saints haven't been as good as we anticipated to be. But yeah, by that time, they'll be healthier. Jameis Winston will be back. Their defense will be healthier. Kamara will be back. Like they, they will have their guys back. Not to mention, they got to go to Jacksonville as well. So Atlanta's been a surprisingly decent team this year. Like they, they don't have an easy schedule. So they have to it's win this their game. Defense. They got they to figure out their defense. Yes. Their defense has been bad. Yeah. They can't keep leads. All right. Well, guys, from what I hear, we have one more order of business to tend to. What's it called, guys? Hold this L. Each and every week we finish off each and every episode in a series with with a series of L's in the world of sports. When those L's in the world of sports are not friendly or friendly, we promise you. Who is ever holding those L's in the world of sports? Deserve those L's in the world of sports. Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo. Who's holding the L for you this week and why is it F1? <laughs> I'm going to give it to the British uh, F1 media. Uh, the way that they, they're they treating drivers that, are not, that do not happen to be British or white in any way, they've, they've been very, very vocal and critical against him. Uh, this past few races... Uh, Sergio Perez, who's the driver for Red Bull, uh, hasn't had the greatest of of results, but at the same time, they're not bad results either. You know, he didn't he didn't get uh, podiums in the last two races, hmm. going into last last week's race, and they were saying that this was Red Bull's biggest mistake on, on signing him for an extension and yada yada yada. And this is coming after uh, Fernando Alonso, who's a Spanish driver criticizing the British media because uh, <clears throat> him and Hamilton had a, a little accident and he said something uh, in the lines of uh, Hamilton can't race if he's not in first place or whatever. And the British media just completely came out and destroyed Fernando, Fernando Alonso and blah, 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 and yada, yada, yada. And anytime a, a British driver does something bad or anything, they, 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 they don't bat a night, you know, they, they just turn the other way. Yeah. They don't, they don't make a, a big deal about it, but when a, a a Mexican or a Spanish or any other uh, driver 
does something bad or has not a great raise, the media is like, oh, he's the biggest mistake that they made and blah, 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 and yada, yada, yada. And what a way for Sergio to fucking shut them up last week. He not only uh, qualified P2, but he ended up winning the race last week. And the best part of him winning that race last week was what he said on the radio. He was like, when they talk, we shut our mouths and we show them. That's what he said on the radio. And he said... Not your walk, do you yeah, talk and he said, And he said, this is the Mexican way. Mm. I like that. And, and everybody knew That's what he shot. was talking yeah, about. Yeah, everybody like knew that. exactly what he was talking about because everybody saw what the media was saying about Sergio Perez the past two weeks before that race. So, yeah. The British media just favors their drivers. I get it. They're very homers, I guess you can say. Very biased. But at the same time, they're being very, I guess you can say, racist towards drivers that are not happy. Pretty obvious. Then that not happen to be of white or British descent. So it's uh, it's very sad to see, especially in the Formula One, uh, a sport that I that I grew loving uh, this past few years, and. I like what Formula One is kind of doing is like saying that the, the We Racist One and all this stuff and what Lewis Hamilton. I do hate Lewis Hamilton as a driver, but what he does like for, for people of color, for for other kinds of uh, ethnicities out there, uh, he's standing up and being a, being a vocal voice because it's very hard to join this sport if you don't have money or if you're not white. So I, I like what Lewis Hamilton is doing. He's He's, you know helping all these uh, kinds of different ethnicities uh, make it to, to, to Formula One. Right. Uh, make it to, to Formula Three, Formula Two, Formula Four. You know, trying to, trying to make the sport a better place, better uh, diversity. But the British, British media is just not helping them yeah. at all. So, so there's racial bias in a predominantly white sport. Are you who, kidding who me? Knew? Yeah, who knew that? Huh? <laughs> yeah. So I love I love the way uh, Sergio shut shut them the fuck up. It it was just beautiful. That is beautiful. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I'm story. sure as a Mexican man, it's got to feel yeah. good as well. Yeah. It, 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 <laughs> yeah. A little bit of pride was, in there. It was beautiful. It was amazing hearing that uh, national anthem being played mm. uh, on the podium. So, yeah, man. So f- British. Formula One media, you're gonna have to do me a favor and uh, hold this L. L. Trevor Twiddle, who's holding the L for you this <clears> week? So me myself, um, I'm a big fantasy guy. I love playing fantasy sports, uh, daily fantasy, whatever it is. Um, but there's there's a massive toxicity amongst fantasy players, and them discounting like athletes and their lives as if they're like a pawn in a chess game, and they're not like an actual human being. Um, I've been seeing it way too much already early in the season. Um, I know it's your money, and I know you're playing, and I know there's pride for you as well. But um, the 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 I've I remember last year when um oh, was it last year or two years it was a couple years ago I think when um um I forget the running back for the um, the Niners went down. Um, either way, injuries happen. When Naheem Hines just recently got hurt in this game the other night. Uh, and it was it was a dangerous hit, and he looked like he was shook up. Two of the two a situation. Um, those those two those two pivotal players 
and in those in their said game uh, were pretty uh, pivotal as far as like people betting on them or people playing fantasy sports and counting on them in their lineup to perform, and then they get hurt in, in mid game. Um, and I've just been seeing nothing but like just nasty vitriolic rhetoric amongst fantasy players. And you know, threatening their lives and, and, and cursing them and their family and all these things. And uh, uh, we even got Naheem Hines coming out with a, a tweet uh, yesterday talking about when will people understand we don't care about your fantasy team? Like, because he's been getting he's been just getting absolutely destroyed on Twitter because he got hurt. You got know what I mean? Like, it, it's just yeah. And and Tua's been getting just on and because I'm not on Twitter much, but I do have like alerts on like for fantasy Twitter because I like to have like a know who's in, who's healthy, who's playing, like what are the good matchups, blah blah blah. I'm in that loop on Twitter, and I see so much shit on there that is so toxic and so dark. Like, uh, players get literally like sent death threats and things like that because they let them down in their fantasy lineup. And it's, it's a mental illness amongst these fantasy players. It's, it's a dark place. These people go to, I get it. Your money's on the line. I'm a better myself. Uh, and it sucks losing that, but these people are the ones actually out there making this happen for you and are putting their lives on the line and their health on the line. And their personal money on the line because if they get hurt and they lose, they can lose out on a lot of money too. So it's this is this far more deeper for them than it ever will be for us on this right. side watching from a TV screen. It's amazing, uh, and it's it's really tough for me to see that. And like, not everybody's as objective as me. There's a lot of people that are just like casuals that are just in there and don't care about anything else but their success and their money and what the players do on the field. And they're just like, like I said, a pawn in the chess the chessboard here. So for that, I just want to as a fantasy person myself and someone who is in the fantasy community uh and in that in that realm the fantasy the fantasy community in that fantasy realm really needs to take a step back and really chill out there's because i see way too much of it i know that not everyone's like that i'm not putting everyone in a box but there's a pretty big box of a lot of this going on so for that that side of the fantasy community that dark side of the fantasy community do me a solid favor and hold this out You guys remember back in uh, 2018 when the Jaguars were coming into town and there was this conversation being had by a relatively, relatively unknown player, but he was having a good season at that point. He hasn't been known since uh, for the Jaguars by the name of Tal- Telvin Smith. Mm. And I remember he did this press conference and he was talking about basically – guaranteeing what they were going to do against the Chiefs that week going into Kansas City. I want to hear this clip real quick, and then I'll tell you guys why I'm doing this. Because I think it's, 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 it's funny. Um, it's funny. It's funny to me. But it's a great week, I'm telling you that. Look, look. <laughs> listen, listen. We uh, Ask me that after the game. Say, Wednesday, why were you smiling so hard? What was so funny? Is it funny that they get so much <laughs> Well, it's not. It's, it's the fact that, again, ask me ask me after the game. I'll be ready. I promise you. I, I am I on the right track? Exactly. I'll I ask you. I'll ask you. I'll ask you. Because it's funny. It's funny. As I was getting prepped for this interview and getting prepped for the questions, just the, the prep uh, this week, man, it's funny. It's great, though. I'm telling you, it's great. Telvin was feeling himself in that one because they were mad that the Chiefs were getting a lot of attention because of Patrick Holmes' emergence, and the Jaguars were coming into that game with a really good record and playing really good football defensively. Mm-hmm. Chiefs won that game by double digits, gave up 30 points to the Chiefs. Uh, and then this season, go all the way down, go all the way to uh, 2022. 
when you look at the Chiefs uh, taking on the Bu- the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I want you guys to hear this real quick from Shaq Barrett. Uh, like, I just think, yeah, we, we got an opportunity to really impose our will uh, as uh, pass rushers, as rushers, uh, this game, and we could really have a, like a coming out party. I know we had six sacks uh, the other game, but we could really have a coming out party as uh, edge and as uh, edge defenders in the position group for this game. Yeah, and see, there's a there's a part there's a part of the segment from Shaq Barrett where he actually laughs when they talk about the difference from the Chiefs' offensive line in 2020 Super Bowl when Shaq Barrett and that defense absolutely just destroyed that that series of backup players. And if there's a difference between that offensive line and the Chiefs' offensive line now, mm. and he laughed, and you could tell he was holding a lot back, and he was really really holding a lot back. Uh, Shaq Barrett had four tackles with zero. Uh, pressures on Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs put up 41 points and won by double digits. For some reason these Floridian dudes just don't want to get it, man. They want to they want to put it out there and they want to yeah, you know, Telvin Smith doing this to the reporters and Shaq Barrett laughing on a on a post game. And Shaq was to his credit, he's never really been a guy that talks a lot and, and says a lot of controversial things. That's actually been Devin White and more of his style. He got scores and too. They got for some reason these guys just don't learn, and that's what's funny to me. Telvin Smith is that you you dudes down in the Florida area want to talk shit on the Chiefs and want to downplay what they do, and then they embarrass you. It's 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 just it's just funny to me. It's just funny to me. So Trev, Eddie, do me a solid with me, man, and Telvin Smith, Shaq Barrett, you guys do me a solid and join with me as you uh, hold this L, please. It's a fun show, guys. Got our guy Eddie back. We have the Eddie Hour. It feels like we're we're whole again. We're complete. You complete me, Eddie. You had me at, at Ola. Um, I really appreciate his uh, his efforts on the show. We kind of just talk a wide range of things here on the Spoken Podcast, which I know you guys enjoy as well. But we always keep it, man, 100 when it comes to the Chiefs, when it comes to the NFL, because we know that's why you guys are here each and every week. We want to thank Starcade Media for allowing us their platforms each and every week as we post our shows in there, as we live stream. We put our podcasts out there as well. And for anybody that has not already done it, if you guys would be so kind, go to YouTube, subscribe to our channel. We put out content each and every week, and we talk sports because that is what we do, all sports all the time. And we appreciate everyone that's already done that. It is a growing community. We have been blowing up big time on our Facebook page. Our Twitter pages have been blowing up as well. And uh, we literally could not do it without you guys because you guys are the ones that put the numbers together for us. We're just here to talk sports and do what we do, and we hope you guys enjoy it each and every week. So for Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, for Clay Wonder that puts all this together, man, and makes this thing what it is. I am Lance Twidwell, the Spoken Podcast 187. Episode 187 is done, finished infinito. And so we are here one week's time talking about a Chiefs blowout victory over the Raiders and a big matchup against the Buffalo Bills on I believe that's Sunday night football. Oh no, it's not Sunday night football. That's just a regular regular football, regular noon game, if I'm not mistaken. Either way, Chiefs are gonna be ready for that one. And when we are here to talk about it, but in the meantime, until that time comes around, we out of this bitch. Later. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned in to the Spoken. I might actually stick around for a little bit.